everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 130th episode of the podcast, airing February 14th, 2022. So happy Valentine's Day to the lover within you. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome special guest S.J. Anderson to join me in a conversation on Pisces season 2022. Now, SJ and I are chatting all about this year's season of the fish, where its mutable waters dip us into the emerging presence of Jupiter's expansive vibe. Now, we talk about the juicy, conjunction-heavy Jupiterian new moon in Pisces, the ongoing conjunction of Venus and Mars, and how Saturn will still be holding strong despite its counterpart having more of a say in the skies. We hope you enjoy our detailed walk through the last zodiacal month before the turnover of the astrological new year, a transcendent season that always sets the stage for the rebirth of fresh energy that is to come. Now, to see us step through the astrology charts as we talk, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. Now, if you'd like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation or you can leave a tip in my tip jar if you'd like to donate to the program. And I also have the option to sign up to my newsletter known as The Heavenly Wind, which comes out monthly and tells you all about what's going on in the skies in a detailed breakdown, uh, much unlike these forecasts, which (laughs) are a little long and and convoluted in a wonderful way, of course. But the newsletter helps break it down and put all the important things right in front of your eyes. And so that is free in your news box, your news box. I like that better than inbox, your news box, uh, if you sign up to my mailing list. Now, I do want to let everybody know that Spencer Michaud is going to be finishing up the last webinar of his integrative divination series for the winter decans. So you guessed it, the decans of Pisces will be up, and that's going to air on Saturday, March 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now, these webinars that Spencer has been been doing each month, uh, they are detailed, they will tell you so much about a sign. It's two and a half hours of an interactive online workshop where Spencer does the webinar live uh, and loves questions and loves to interact with the audience. So you can gain everything you need to know about Pisces, uh, just energy in general, or Aquarius or Capricorn, because this has been a winter series. So you can buy either all three or just sign up for the Pisces version that is coming on March 12th. Uh, So, So Spencer runs through the sign faces, the tarot correspondences, the fixed stars, the diamonds, the archetypes, the mythology. There's so much connected uh, to the signs in these webinars that they are really rich if you want to really learn about the signs. So to sign up for the Pisces one, it's $45 for the webinar, or you can pay $125 for the whole bundle. But of course, if you use my special code EP20, you can get 20% off either option. So to sign up and access the code and these webinars, you can click the link in the description of this podcast. All right, so who is ready to hear all about Pisces season 2022? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome to the program here today. We have S.J. Anderson with us. Thank you for joining me, S.J. 
so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, uh, Melissa. Honored to be here. Yeah. And so um, I happened to, I just, I had just happened to come across SJ through uh, actually Chris Sanda. Chris Sanda. I have a feeling my, <laughs> that Mercury shadow is still getting me. Um, Cause Sandra Tyndall, who I love, she, uh, she had you on one of her uh, podcast. I don't even know how I came across it. Um, it like, like randomly popped up in my feed. And I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, he was talking about the Uranus North node conjunction that's coming up in 2022. And I was just like, and then all of a sudden after that, I just kept seeing you in, in places and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I got to ask him to be on the program. So, uh, SJ, tell us, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm really happy to be here. Really happy you found me. Yeah, that was, um, Cass and uh, had invited me to write an article for the, let's see, what's the name of the magazine? I, uh, I, I won't, I, it's something like yeah. astrology. It's an Australia magazine, a lifestyle magazine. They release once a year. And I wish I, she just sent an email about it earlier. Um, but I was yeah fortunate enough to write this article about the Uranus-Mars North Node conjunction coming up later this year in August. Really fun to write an article um, and write about astrology. It's a whole nother way in as opposed to the verbal. It's a lot more difficult or poses unique challenges, let's say, writing about astrology. But uh, yeah, I'm an astrologer. I'm from Texas. I'm a Texan astrologer is how I like to say it. Um, and I... Uh, have uh, been in astrology for a number of years. My primary teacher is Chris Brennan. Uh, so I have kind of a Hellenistic base for how I look at things, though I'm sort of an eclectic practitioner and have a lot of my own systems and stuff I've developed through the years. Um, but yeah, I, I currently live in Albania and I am um, yeah just an expat that's uh, living here in the Balkans. Love it here. I have a consulting practice. Uh, I love my clients. I love reading for people. I do weekly videos on YouTube and I have a really uh, active Twitter where I'm very much engaged uh, uh, every day. So I'm sure at some point I'll be able to give everybody that info, um, but yes. that's kind of a little <laughs> bit about me. It's, I, so I think of myself as like a consulting astrologer, but also a media-based kind of engaged in regular uh, conversation through social media about astrology. And I think that's how I think about myself. So. Yeah, there's a your content creator. You just say you be sharing, you be responding. <laughs> you got it. You got the um and so I asked SJ when we got on, uh, we had a little Mercury uh retrograde snafu, which we had different dates to meet. And so I was like, what's I was like, do you have anything in Pisces? Because I find that Pisces, I have a Pisces south node, so I've got like that Pisces <laughs> just sometimes uh, i don't know i was late i was late to the game today too um and and sj is like oh i have pisces i have mercury in pisces and i was like oh i no wonder i asked you to come join me for pisces uh season um and i find you know we talk about pisces mercury's being and it's you know the special position of detriment and fall you know you <laughs> it's like the only place where you get both um but i find like like my uh, dear friend, Greg Crawford, I've been like uh, the people that have Mercury in Pisces, like are just like the best writers, the best communicators, the, but they paint this different picture. Like it's such a wonderful placement. And it's so funny to think about like the quote unquote detriment of it um, and how beautiful it just happens to be. <laughs> Yeah, oh. thanks. That's my experience too. I love I love the placement. James Joyce, I just found out had Mercury and Pisces. I, I find it to be just there's kind of different approaches. You know, I I was maybe 
paradoxically or kind of strangely very good at mathematics. And my whole life, I just kind of had an ability to do it with my eyes closed. And I was always like the best in my class and everything. And I think it's Mercury and Pisces part of it because I wouldn't, I didn't even like the books. The textbooks to me were kind of boring and I would kind of just have my own logical approaches to problems and, and, you know, whereas other students and not, not all the time, but it was kind of, there's a freedom that comes with Mercury and Pisces freedom to, to do logic in a way that makes sense, maybe only to me, you know, but, um, I find you can really get things done, um, with, with it in, in a certain weird way. So, yeah, no, well, it, it, it has such an imagination quality to it. And I mean, when you talk about mathematics and like, there's such a spiritual imaginative component to mathematics to begin with, like they are very much inter- interlinked together. And, you know, Einstein wasn't, you know, he had some prominent Pisces placements. Um, and yeah, so I, I get it. It's just, yeah, it's funny. It doesn't work in the way that you think Mercury work with its logical detailed, you know, like you said, the book, you know, but it works in its own special creative pairing of like details and facts within the, within the mind and the imagination. So (laughs) well said, yes, I, uh, I, I enjoy the energy and, you know, I guess we always love our own placements, you know, to a, maybe some you people gotta. don't, but yeah, you got to, right? You you, got you, to, you, you know. It ain't changing. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Um, well, I'm glad to have you on the program here today. So let us get into to Pisces season then. And so uh, good old Pisces is going to start on Friday, February 18th and all the, uh, if, you noticed uh, SJ is in Albania. So we will have, if you are listening to, in that region of the world, the times or the days might be a little bit different, um, obviously, because I'm over here on the Pacific coast uh, of California. But uh, for the most part, you know, Pisces season ingress is Friday, February 18th. Um, and so let's do a little overview. What does Pisces bring? You know, it's the last sign of the Zodiac. Um, and it always has this like transcendent feeling of it, like right before that Aries ingress that just rushes in spring uh, or fall if you're in the Southern hemisphere, but that big change in the, you know, the equinox that happens. And so we got mutable water. We're switching focus, uh, to Jupiter and Pisces after two Saturn seasons, although Saturn, Saturn is not going anywhere. There's going to be a lot of Saturn still in the sky because of an Aquarius pileup happening. Um, and of course, Venus and Mars going on. But SG, when I say Pisces, and especially Pisces season by transit, it's like, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, you know, I was just thinking about the hopeful quality, I think, of, of Pisces, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, because there's... Um, warmer days. I mean, there's going to be some days probably that are as warm as they've been for some time. And it's not always the case. I mean, it's not like full on spring. It's not, um, you know, full on summer, but there is the kind of loosening of what can be very cold periods uh, in places where you have like snow on the ground for months and months. I spent a lot of time in Belarus a couple of years ago and some of the heaviest winters I've ever, I mean, it's just snow forever, you know? Mm. And so there's a hopefulness here, I think, as we begin to see the promise of, of spring and summer, you know, the sun's promise that's made maybe during the winter solstice is now kind of, it's coming, it's coming to um, pay due, you know, kind of make due on those promises. And as the sun gets ready for this big celebration, right? The astrological new year, which, which comes during airy season. So I like that part of Pisces season. 
the kind yeah. of transitions into some hopefulness and Jupiter rules Pisces in the ancient text. So, I mean, we've got the sense of hope, the planet of hope, right. Um, ruling this time. So that's right. kind of my major, I guess one thing I'll, I'll drop here as a major <laughs> feature of it. No, I love that because I mean, I, how perfect is it that, uh, that ruler is actually at home in that, in that sign, you know, and at the same time that we, you know, this is a special moment, especially since Jupiter and Pisces, we get a small window of, you know, five month period where we get the meat of, of that fast acting Jupiter moving through Pisces territory. So it's nice that it just happens to coincide with Pisces season and all the activations. And of course, uh, what I think is like a little, it's a bit of a juicy new moon and in many respects for different reasons. Like (laughs) we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but I love the idea of hope. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love hope? It's like, that's what we live for. Like we, we, you know, like, we get up and we do our day because we hope for, uh, you know, good things to happen in our lives and to progress as individuals and, and to move on. And, in and that's what the beauty of mutable uh, energy is just in general, as you brought up, this is a transitionary point uh, that we notice in the seasons. And this is the, one of the most dramatic seasonal changes, like you stated is because we are going from the cold of the winter, which is not, this is the, like the epitome of like the least amount of life giving, you know, energy. <laughs> it's like, it's cold, it's damp, it's, it's snowy, it's uh, rainy, it's icy, uh, and then we see the birth of spring that is starting to come on the horizon. And it's like, you know, that first day that where the, the temperature just ups by like 15, 20 degrees and you, you take off your sweater, you can feel the breeze again. And it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not like freezing, you know, that wind chill factor. I mean, I live in Southern California, who am I to talk really, but but it is, it's a, it's a thing. It's like, it has that feeling of hope. Um, and I think about Pisces as hope, but I never really think about it in the terms that you just brought up with how weather and just the natural cycles of life and spring really bring that to the, to the forefront. So that's exciting. I'm excited. And one of the, can I just, I want to add one other thing, yes. cause it's, it's unique. If we're going to talk about this year's Pisces season, see the sun is going to front run the other planets and the sun Jupiter conjunction, um, which happens, I, I don't have the exact date right here at the forefront of my mind. I think it's probably late February, um, uh, maybe even yeah, early March. Uh, it's, uh, it's the uh, March 5th. It's the same day uh, that we have the Mars and Venus, Venus. Uh, conjunction that's right. too. That's, yeah. that's right. It's, so as Mars and Venus come into Aquarius, you have the sun and Jupiter uh, joining there. But see, the sun is front running. So I think that the sun leaves before Venus or even arrives into Pisces. Yes. April 5th, Venus comes into Pisces. The sun leaves on, of course, the, sorry, uh, March 20th, the sun leaves, sorry, April 5th, Venus arrives. Um, and that is the sense of hope that I think with the sun front running, that it's kind of going over degrees that are going to have a huge role to play during Aries season and during Taurus season yeah. with a, like a once in a generation pile up in Pisces, modern ruler, traditional ruler, exaltation ruler, and then the, the other triplicity ruler, Mars, will all be there in mid-April. And so... That's another thing I'm seeing here. I'm sorry, I just a little distracted. I had a washing machine. I hope you didn't hear that. There's make, it's making some noises. So just to apologize if everybody out there. <laughs> You're fine. Is that, is that well, a washing machine for Pisces season yeah, feels okay. very appropriate okay. to me. <laughs> is it is it distracting at all? Because I can no, just no, turn. I'm, okay, okay, You're totally good. 
Awesome. Awesome. So that's, I mean, this is one, just to say, I like to think about even lunar transits. That's why a waxing moon is a moon of hope and kind of future forward, forward thinking because the moon is hitting degrees that the sun will then hit in the next six months. And so there's a, there's a sense here just to think about as we go into this Pisces season of preparing and getting ready for an epic, epic April. And I know we're not talking about that those transits necessarily, but you know, the sun is a light, right? And it yeah. can shine the light of consciousness on things. And so it will kind of prepare the ground in a way. And and I do think that these transits in April, so like starting April 5th, when Venus enters Pisces, and then culminating um, in this eclipse that happens on April 30th, the Taurus solar eclipse, where the ruler of that eclipse, Venus will be in the same degree as Jupiter applying during the eclipse to Jupiter in the 28th degree of Pisces. It's such a magic point. <laughs> it's, it's magic. And I think it's best to kind of release into the magic of Pisces during those real deep activations. And maybe we can front run in a little bit more of a stable way with the sun there is kind of how I'm thinking about this solar transit. So. Oh, absolutely. I got, I got chills as you're talking about that. So obviously something, something is, is up with that. Um, and I, I definitely think the same way, cause it's always interesting to see when the sun leads, um, especially in the term, I love looking at it within, uh, the cycle of just the sun and mercury, because it's like when mercury leads, it's like we get information and we don't fully understand it or can integrate it as much, you know, but when the sun leads there, it, you, you, you consciously integrate it. And then there's the bits and pieces that come afterwards. And so it's interesting to have all these planets in that, uh, you know, like the, the traditional term for it is that Oriental position, uh, that, you know, they're, um, uh, back in the Zodiac, but ahead of the, the sun basically rising. Uh, and it adds like that, that heat and fire dynamic to the actual planet itself. And it like quickens it. But at the same time, there's just something to be said about, everything being introduced with the sun as the the forerunner because it's like when you see the light as cheesy as it sounds that seems very pisces too when you see the light <laughs> you know there's no going back from that it's like there is just this integration that happens and if you already have what that light is and you know what you're hopeful for you have the dream in place or you see the vision um or the spiritual motive which you know pisces is very spiritual to me it's like it's not so much this logical you know cold aquarian um not say all Aquarius is cold, but you know, like it, it, it's very, it's very air, it's fixed air there. And then we're moving into this much more, uh, like this, I guess, spiritually magnanimous, very Jupiter and Pisces, uh, period that can take all those faculties of the Capricorn energy that's still happening, Aquarius energy that's still happening and take that vision and run with it. Right. <laughs> like that's kind of what I'm thinking. Absolutely. And just another thing to add, I mean, I've been thinking about it like um, it's the so Pisces energy in Jupiter itself uh, and then Pisces as a sign ruled by Jupiter. It can be a, a tough energy because we are having to real, make realization, just like you're mentioning there earlier, that we have to digest truth. Right. And, and that's not always the easiest thing to do when we, we're facing deep truths that can have profound positive effects in the long term. But in that immediate and an initial kind of uh, uh, taking on of those truths, it can be hard, difficult. We face hard things. Um, and I feel like uh, the, what I've always liked is Dane Rudyard, who talks about Pisces, the storms of Pisces. 
And those are storms that um, are, can, you know, washing away and actually tearing down, as when he says, the structures of Capricorn and Aquarius to get built mm-hmm. there. The storms of Pisces kind of come and really wash or clean those into the, in the sense they were problematic. And I really love that given the world condition that, you know, in the state of the world over the last couple of years where we've had a lot of difficulty, that this Piscean period can be kind of a, a period where truth emerges, healing, realization, and maybe we can kind of cleanse or, or kind of come to a little bit. And and not that the structures are all bad, but that sometimes they just need codifying and maybe kind of paring down to their essential uh, components that we want to retain for that next Saturn cycle. You know, and so there's a sense of cleansing and cleaning and clearing um, that I think comes with Pisces season that that I also like. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And then that that is really what determines if Pisces season is difficult for a, a person is because how willing are you to let go of things, to uh, accept what has run its course, to allow, uh, you know, there are certain things to wash away. You know, we think about the decans of uh, tarot for, uh, for Pisces. And we've got the, we've got the moon card as the, as the ruler, which has this, you know, transient, you just, we're just talking about the moon energy and the transient, uh, 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 um, energy of that and the darkness and the light is ready to come back, you know, just as you're talking about April coming in. Um, and then we have the decans of the eight of cups, which the Jupiter's currently in as we record this program, um, where it is this kind of walking away, you know, abandoning of success, like, right. The structures that we had before do, do they, support us in, in the mission forward. And if they don't, there can be losses, um, and things being diffused and, uh, uh, like washed away, as you're saying, like the tide rolls in and it rolls out. And that is Pisces season to me is, um, I always feel like the, like, it's, it's almost like the, the wave is cancer, you know, the wave coming in, but the, the idea of pulling back out is Pisces to me, like what comes to the shore (laughs) and then, you know, Pisces takes it, takes it away. And it's that ever, you know, that ebb and flow there. So, but we do have the nine of cups and the 10 of cups that come next, which are usually pretty joyous positions, but in order to get there, well, you know, you got to wash away the muck, the stagnancy, the things that aren't working any longer. Absolutely. Shower has been an analogy I've been using a lot with Jupiter and Pisces, like if we've been traveling for, let's say months and months, or if anybody's been camping for like a period of days or weeks or been living like on a farm or something, you just don't have a good shower for like a long time. And there's a lot of grit and the beard gets long or the hair gets matty. And then you think about that first shower and it's not the easiest shower because you've got to really scrub and it's, and it's like, but that's the Piscean it's, it's going after kind of deeper grit and that's gathered over a period in my view in that fixed air sign. And so it's, it can be a challenge that that bath can be a challenging bath, but when you're done, you know, that's the, then you get maybe Aries, you're back out fresh, ready to go, you know, kind of thing. So mm. that's one way to, that's one analogy I think has some, something to value the bath, the bath analogy. I love that because it's like, yeah, you ever take a, you know, you get dirty for whatever reason and you take a bath or a shower and you see the grit like wash down the drain. Like it literally just falls and you have this like murky gray water and then you come out renewed like the spring of your body. <laughs> you know, it's like, and you're ready to take on the day. Um, and 
yeah, it just has this, this really fresh renewal feel. I love that analogy. That That is great. And we all can relate to it somehow. I mean, we all shower, yeah. I hope. Um, <laughs> I've gotten to, that, gotten to that point. That's so interesting too, with like the idea of camping too, because um, like just getting like dirty and smoky and the smells that you get on you and like, just like the, yeah, it's uh in that caked feeling where you yep. feel like you have all the residue that is on your body and it's heavy and it weighs you down. Um, yeah. and it's just like this lightness that, that comes off when all the dirt's removed and hence the yes. healing feeling. But if we were accustomed to the dirt, and we got used to carrying it and we were emotionally holding on to the residue. <laughs> Pisces can be a little disorienting because it does, you know, like it, it is, it is a, is a feel season. It is a cry. Like if there is a cry that has to happen, <laughs> oh, that, that it's Pisces. It's like, people are like, why am I so emotional? Why am I crying all the time? Why does why does a sensitive commercial about animals or, you know, bring me to tears in, in seconds? I mean, that's the story of my life, but you know, like it, you're just more apt to have like the waterworks come up because of like that purging, um, energy of emotion that just wants to, and it could be, that's the thing is it could be, uh, if you find yourself like tearing up over something that's catching you outside, you know, especially in a humanitarian way or the feeling the, the, the world, um, a lot of times that's tapping into something within yourself that has, to, that is releasing through that, or, you know, you feel the helplessness or the hopelessness of like a world situation. And then you, you resonate with that in yourself because we all have areas where we feel helpless or hopeless or have gone through that. And you like resonate with some sort of empathy. And I feel like that is like that Piscean responses or just so much em empathy that comes through, especially after these Saturnian periods, um, it could be, it could be overwhelming. Cause that's another word that comes in with Pisces. It's like overwhelming. You're like, Oh my God, where'd that come from? I'm like, I haven't felt that in a while. Or I didn't know that was there. It was buried deep below and it purges out. <laughs> uh -huh. It's uh, the analogy I've been thinking about too, along this particular uh, line of, of thought is when, I don't know if anybody's experienced this, like uh, when you've, you're grieving, you know, the grieving process. So sometimes the being overwhelmed with the, uh, the moment where maybe there's the cathartic breakthrough, like there's scenes in movies that depict this, something like Goodwill Hunting, when uh, Robin Williams says, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. Finally, it just opens him mm -hmm. and he bursts, he just, he, you lose yourself in the weeping and in the healing and in the crying, you know? And so that's what I think about Pisces. It's the kind of like deep cathartic healing release of emotion that, you actually lose sense of time. If anybody's experienced this before you, I mean, you, you can cry and then you come, where, where am I? It, and you, but you become a whole new person because that inner, um, the knots of kind of pain, they actually get released in these kind of bursts of inner energy that come. And so it's, this is the optimistic, both the challenge, because if we're trying to bury that, you know, like with drugs, you know, that's, that's the way people can run from that kind of cathartic release. Um, or, but, but if we can just go with it, then I think there's real, um, optimism for a renewal that can come on the, uh, on the backside of it. And, you know, I think you mentioned a great point, two years of heavy. So it's been December, 2017 since Saturn came into Capricorn, but then Jupiter came to Capricorn in, uh, December, 2019. And so we had that Saturn co-present cycle. I've talked a lot about it for two years mm -hmm. and we just finished that. And so 
there's just a lot of, I mean, it goes without even saying, I think we can just say we've had a lot of collective trauma and, and there's, I think a lot of um, opportunities for just feeling and the grief during this whole spring, because we'll have that pile up in Pisces. We talked about earlier, we alluded to earlier and that eclipse, but this can be a, you know, part of this too, this Pisces season, particularly the Kazemi, I think with Sun Jupiter on mm-hmm. the, let's say the date again, the 7th, March, March 5th, I think March, March 5th. 5th. Okay. March yeah. 5th. Okay. 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 Cool. Uh, it's, it's so funny that we're bringing this up because I just happen to be listening to an audio book right now. Um, the, uh, many lives, many masters, the book on, uh, um, reincarnation about uh, a psychotherapist that helps this woman uh, who had all these phobias and all these fears. And it was really taking down her, her life. Like she could barely function. Um, and she was sent to see this man who was a very academic scholar uh, around psychotherapy um, and his practice. And what happened is she, they, he, he put her under hypnosis, which makes you think very Piscean thing, put her under hypnosis and just went through all these past life experiences. And, and after she would die in the past, um, in, as she would recount the experience of the life and when she would pass and, in in there was a coherent, um, uh, in all her lives were very difficult. There were like a lot of uh, slavery, a lot of hardship, a lot of disease. And, and whenever she would pass, it was the same thing where it would be brought, she'd be brought in the light and she'd be returning to a place that it was very comforting. It was like that. It was like the consistent point of hope within all the, the, the drudgery of, of living and the difficulty was like the release that came with that, that transition. And then she would then channel uh, masters after that, that would be speaking to him uh, directly about the experience. And it's an interesting book. And this is coming from a man that, uh, you know, was very scientific, like he couldn't believe, he was like, what am I experiencing? Uh, I believe this happened in the early 80s. It's an older book, but um, anyways, we're, we're just talking about it. And after that hypnosis session, as she was working through these past lives, like she just became uh, renewed as a person because it was purging all those, just bringing it up um, in this hypnotic state was just uh, ridding her of these fears and phobias. And yeah, anyways, so it's very past lifey. Is if anybody wants to do regressions now, I feel like it could be a really, a really uh, powerful experience if you're, if you believe and are into those types of things. But yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got the Saturn uh, or sorry, Jupiter now making those uh, sextiles by sign to the nodes, both the true and mean lunar nodes have now come into Taurus and Scorpio. So that might help with, I mean, I like past life ideas in the nodes. I'm not, I, that's a kind of more of a modern or contemporary astrological mm-hmm. idea that I think there's people working with that, that have had some real success uh, with, uh, and some real traction that they've gained around that uh, idea. And I just, yeah, maybe, I think that sextile with the nodes is particularly interesting for that. And this eclipse, the solar eclipse that I, I've uh, yeah, mentioned Yeah, that whole, well, we'll uh, yeah, give a little precursor okay. for that. <laughs> well, okay, so that makes me think though too, because part of this uh, Pisces season, really, and as you alluded to the sun moving through this area and kind of lighting up the Piscean territory is one of the big aspects of 2022 is the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction uh, that is coming. That happens right before the uh, eclipse takes place. Um, and I think it's like April 12th or something around there where it's a, it's around there. It's before we have our solar eclipse. But it fairly feels like this is going to be a precursor 
to what that energy is is brewing in, in my mind, especially as the sun moves from conjunctions with Jupiter to a conjunction with uh, Neptune um, uh, on March 13th. So between March 5th and March 13th, we basically have the sun just moving in between the two that are going to eventually meet. And so I feel like those days are going to be quite... Um, telling to what maybe it's coming with that grand conjunction, but any thoughts on Jupiter and Neptune meeting or in what maybe Pisces season kind of illuminates with that? Yeah, I do think so. I mean, I I look back to the conjunction of Jupiter and Pisces um, with the nodes in Taurus Scorpio in the same configuration, North node and Taurus in, I believe it's 1855. um, And the publication of Walt Whitman's leaves of grass happened right around, I mean, almost when that was uh, fairly close in with, within the orbs. And so I, you know, I, I'm thinking there could be openings uh, artistically. I think we can have, I mean, this is a poetic breakthrough uses of language in new ways, you know, and even if it's, if we're not writing leaves of grass, which most of us won't be, but thinking about the themes of uh, that, that poetic book or the style of communication, you know, the famous line, um, I contain multitudes, you know, this mm. is the kind of famous idea in, in that, in that uh, work of poetry. And, you know, I, I think our identities, uh, which you mentioned earlier about, uh, we all have multiple identities, even, you know, a, a, a healthy human being, a healthy consciousness will have different hats we have to wear through the day and different ways we've thought about ourselves and our lives and, and even putting it in, you know, the major cycles I like to think about astrologically are the nodal cycle, 18 years, 18 and a half years, the Jupiter cycle, 12 years, and then the Saturn cycle, 30 years. So they're kind of my, that's kind of what I focused on, but how during even the, uh, during those periods or those cycles, or even we just want to think about the Jupiter cycle. So we're talking now 20, uh, 2011, how, how have many different identities have you or me uh, had to master or take on to, to survive in this world, you know, and function. And so I think there's something here where we can, there's a sense of acceptance that um, to me, that's that grief process going back to the final stage of acceptance where we can kind of accept ourselves and, and, the, and the multiplicities of the selves that we've had to carry sometimes out of great necessity that maybe mm-hmm. it was painful, right? Sometimes out of joy or people we've loved people we've lost, you know, all of that gets contained in Pisces and I just feel that, yeah, I'm thinking a lot about um, that with with Jupiter and Neptune, particularly because of this resonance with with Walt Whitman. And then the nodes, again, in in Taurus, Scorpio, it's very relational and it's how we relate to others or love others. And and so, you know, without getting too much into the nodes, that's just what that's what I would offer. Um, that's what I've been thinking about with, with Jupiter and Neptune. And of course we could just go like textbook and we've got things like dissipation or getting lost. And maybe some of these multiple identities, maybe it's mm. the dark side, not knowing, feeling ungrounded, feeling just kind of, who am I? And I, I would just encourage you to go with it. If it's scary, just go with it. It's like a, a psychedelic trip. You will come down, you know, this, this transit is going to end, you know, Jupiter will come into Aries and it's going to be awesome in May. And that's the thing about it too. It's quickly uh, a stellium of Pisces that moves quite quickly into Aries and will be overweight Aries very soon after that. And so um, I think it's better to release into this kind of unknown rather than to try to prepare for anything else, knowing that it will be over quite quickly and we'll be hitting the ground running with a lot of fire. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like the, that's the whole idea of uh, creation and life being that great mystery is it's like, you have to lean into the unknown of things. You have to lean into the shape-shifting quality that is life because uh, otherwise there'd be stagnancy, you know, to evolve as a human being, you have to like lean into the moments where you don't know where you're at the will of like divine intervention or power or plan or, you know, et cetera, because that is, you know, you like dissipate into the haze of it, but then what it be, the form it like ends up coming, you know, starts to, as the fog recedes, you know, you get that, like, I don't know, you get the renewal from it you get the faith and the trust that comes through going through a period with that, right? Because if you have faith in life and you have trust that the universe is heading you in the right direction and you're allowing yourself to get out of your own way, basically, because we always want things under our control. We want certainty. Um, this might be Gemini placement speaking, but <laughs> uh, you know, like you have to just kind of like ease into that and, and trust that, uh, you know, the universe has your back and you don't have to have it figured out all the time. And really, um, if you did, what fun would that be? So it's like, lean into that psychedelic trip. That's Pisces season, yeah. you know, yeah. take, take that ayahuasca, see where it, <laughs> uh, supervised, it. of course, um, <laughs> where, see where it leads you. <laughs> you know, I would bring in the, the, the Jesus teaching here and I, you know, I'm not, um, uh, an avowed Christian by any means, but I, when, anytime I think of Pisces, I do think of Christianity because of the symbols of the fish mm-hmm. and the age of Pisces. A lot of astrologers who use the astrological age technique, would uh, assign the age of Pisces being during a time when Christianity emerges as a dominant worldview um, in a lot of parts of the world, many parts of the world. But um, there's a servant on the Mount and Jesus is just like, Hey, uh, the birds are not, they're just kind of totally surrendered and they're getting food, you know? And it's, Mm -hmm. there's this idea of like kind of letting the spirit just take over in a way um, and, and, and having faith in that, you know? And so I think, I think about this as a kind of a Piscean, uh, ethical or, you know, when you were sharing there, I just, it just came to me. We can kind of release and trust and have kind of hope that our needs are going to get met, even in what might be a very dynamic period as Pisces is going to shift and, and change and morph. So, um, and we all have our natal chart. That's the, that's the other thing I was saying. It's like, you know, we're going to come back to our placements, you know, and you're going to come back to that ascendant degree, uh, even if we're kind of sloshed around and you might want to think about too, this is always when I, when I do general, uh, transit, uh, discussion, I always like to just refer people back. I mean, think about where Pisces is in your chart, where Sagittarius is, as maybe areas where what we're describing can be applied, you know? Um, so like fourth house, maybe you're moving or, doing renovation or something like this or discovering like, uh, 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 I saw this story on, uh, on the news recently, dis- discovering a safe buried under the buried, buried under the a bed in your new home. I'm just, it's a Jupiter abundance, but yeah. You don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's po- anything, anything is possible. I feel like that's a yeah. part of that, that too. Uh, I love how you said that though. Um, the idea of like, you always come, come back to your ascendant, right? You always come back to who you are within that. And that is the beauty of airy season, because when you let go into Pisces season and trust it and, and work with the mystery, what happens is Aries renews you with 
fresh instinct. And that's essentially what your first house and your ascendant degree and coming back to yourself is because you owe, you have the instincts built within you. You know, we are animals. We tend to forget that, but we are animal creatures. Like you said, the, you know, the birds they're, they're accepting, they have the, because they're going with their instinct. They, 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 are part of like the, the ecosystem, they surrender to their place within it, but they use their instincts to then, uh, you know, position themselves to survive, even if they don't know exactly where their next meal is or how they're going to. So it is to me, that point of releasing and accepting and surrendering and hoping and having faith and wishing, I, you know, wish upon a star, these are very Piscean type of things. And then let the instinct of Aries season and the Aries placements, um, especially when Jupiter moves into Aries a little bit later on, like you, you, you'll know what to do, um, when that, that time comes and to trust that, um, that spontaneous quality of life, I suppose, because they both kind of are in in many ways, because it takes a little bit of the control, um, aspect out of it. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to just do some rest even. And like, you know, they talk about with the psychedelic (laughs) trip, we have this thing set and setting if someone's going to be involved in psychedelics and you really want to make sure you're safe and you've segregated out time to be with the plants or the classical music, whatever you like to do for something like that. Um, And I think that knowing how uh, dynamic the year is going to be during, um, you know, uh, Jupiter and Mars together in Aries starting in mid-May, or I think uh, Mars comes a little later, but pretty soon they're together and they're traveling there for about six weeks. Mars and Jupiter will be in Aries together. We're going to need the the wisdom and insight from the trip, let's say, from the Pisces moment. So if we can kind of protect our space and give give ourselves time to kind of go into um, liminal spaces or unconscious realms, I think it's going to help us hit the ground running. uh, you know, we might miss an opportunity for insight if we don't, if this is the cool thing about astrology, we know the weather in the sky. And so we can maybe t- time or plan around it and, and, uh, it might help us have even a better airy season and, and the listeners out there. I'm going to try to take my own advice. <laughs> on that. I know. Right. I yeah. reach that. I'm like, Oh, hell, I'll, I'll tell everybody else. Out. And I'm like, Oh, no, don't you remember what you, you were saying? Don't you? <laughs> Yeah, I love I've it. I've got some oh. time off that I'm going to segregate out in April for my, just for this stuff. I'm just, I've already got it on my schedule so I can just do some of this exploration we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I didn't really, we, I, I was like, I need a vacation. And, um, so the beginning of Pisces season, I'm going to go, I'm driving out to me and my partner are going to Utah, Utah oh. to go to Zion national park. We're going to, I'm going right. to go, I'm going to go ride some horses into the, the canyons. I got to, I got a experience where I'm going to go hike with some goats on the Capricorn moon. I'm like, beautiful. <laughs> as a natal Capricorn moon, I'm like, I feel, oh. I feel like this is going to be experience. Just the joy of some spry goats jumping from spring to spring. Uh, yeah. it, feel, it feels it's, good, but you know, Pisces, Pisces is also my fifth house. So, you know, you gotta let go, have a little fun, yeah. relax. So I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I told my neighbor the other day, I was, yeah, he's from, uh, uh, um, Serbia. And, oh. and I was like, Oh, I'm going to Zion. I was like, can you take care of my cat? I'm going to Zion. And he's like, he's like, like, like the matrix. 
And I was like, I had to think about that because I just saw <laughs> the matrix for the first time a few, uh, actually like a few weeks ago, I'd never wow. seen it. And, okay. um, that's like their, their home planet or their home zone is Zion. And I still didn't get it when he told me the joke. And then I told my partner and he was like, he's like, Oh, that's actually pretty funny. And I was like, Oh, that's where they go. That's the, their home base. And I was like, which is kind of funny. Cause right now I'm actually trying to find where my home base is. And we made a joke. We're like, maybe we'll move it to Utah. Who knows? Who knows? But that's what Pisces season is for. Feel it out. You don't know. Um, now that being said, let us uh, let us move into Pisces uh, season itself and do our little breakdown uh, transit action with the charts here. Um, I love how we got. I meant to state this before we even got into all our discussion, but, uh, I, we started recording right as the, uh, moon is trining Mars and Capricorn and conjunct Uranus and the ascendant, uh, is on that moon Uranus, right. When, uh, at least in my location, right. When we started. And so feels like a, feels like a powerful time to be, to be astrologizing, just making up words. <laughs> um, but astrologizing, yeah. I think is, you know, that's the verb astrologize. Astrologizing. So. We yeah. are astrologizing <laughs> here because Uranus likes to astrologize. It's a good planet for that. So let us go to our ingress of Pisces. Once again, uh, we got February 18th, which is a Friday. Um, we're in, we're in Pisces season and it is, uh, basically we are in a, um, a disseminating phase, the way that the seasons seem to be setting out. They're like slowly moving away from, uh, just the sun ingress ingressing right after a full moon. Cause we've had all these late degree full moons. So there's something to be said about the, the start of the season, just in this pretty full, full phase, um, energy. And there's a lot of just energy in, in the world and in, in, in us, you know, like it's not a, it's not a quiet moment. It's, it's a continuation, uh, in many ways. And one of the things that is very important about the sun ingress is that right before the sun ingresses, Jupiter perfected its sextile to Uranus. Um, so what a way to start out Pisces season, right? Like the <laughs> Jupiter sextile Uranus, what, any thoughts on that SJ? You know, I just, I would just say it's kind of more of of what we've discussed that there might be, um, new impetus or unexpected impetus into the grief process and the kind of truth discovery process that we were discussing earlier. Sometimes that's how you're honest can be in, in, in any process of healing or of realization can often come in flashes of, of, of um, unexpected, you know, truth or moments of unexpected flashes. You read about a wisdom teacher. Sometimes they're like, well, we're walking down the street and, this dog barked and boom, you know, I knew God for the first time or something like this. So even Ram Das, I think about someone I, I really like um, his first journey when he met Neem Kurale Baba, his guru. And to go back to uh, psychedelics, you know, there is a famous moment where he gives the guru the LSD and the guru just starts laughing. But a lot of that was there was coincidences like his car broke down and he met someone randomly. So these kind of mm. unexpected moments that might be leading us is I think what I would look for with uh, this sextile. Mm, I love that synchronicity. I mean, that's essentially yeah. right. Like it, that, yeah. that's like that magic juice of, of life and, and where we're actually led. We think, 
we think, we think we're going somewhere, but synchronistic moments, um, uh, whether they're there to link us up with something, whether they pull us away to have us realize, to have us think, you know, uh, yeah, it's, I love that. That's great. Cause you're honest. I mean, that's, that's, that's its tagline is expect the unexpected. We don't know what it's going to be. It's going to, and in a, a sextile is it's opening a door. It offers you a doorway, uh, to realization or breakthrough or liberation or release, um, where you just have that moment really, ah, okay. Okay. Uh, so it seems like, a, it seems like a grand entry for the sun, to be honest. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, wow, Pisces season. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling inspired. It's like, it's like an ins- inspirational, uh, kind of quality to it, to me at least, or like, or like a feeling like, like excited, you know, like that's what Uranus usually brings. And Jupiter is just going to trump up anything that it touches. And so it's just has this kind of like, Ugh, I can't even put it into words. I just feel it. Like my body's like shaking like a worm, you know, <laughs> ready to, ready to do this thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just to note, I want to note the squirt, uh, the, sorry, the Virgo moon there. I think that's also, um, something that will mm-hmm. underscore and kind of undergird these moments that you have the moon involved a little later there by degree, but it's still, um, you know, in the earth's sign where Uranus is in an earth and another sign and, and then Pisces in the mutable sign. So I always check in with the moon. I'll probably do that a few times here because it really informs yeah, what's happening absolutely. and so there might, I think there could also be opportunities for body and for like, um, you know, home life, these earth, the earth elements so prominently featured right now with, um, you, as you mentioned, the moon, as we're speaking, the moon in Taurus, but, and the moon making that sextile to Mars and Capricorn. But even in this chart, we still have the Mars, um, Venus, Pluto, all there in Capricorn. And so, you know, what are we doing with our materiality is my favorite mm. uh, word for that. The material things in our lives may be involved here in the, what, either the synchronicities or the surprises. You know, maybe we're going to sell things, purge things, take on new possessions, uh, enjoy the things we have. You know, maybe, maybe something we've carried like an item will be uh, important to the kind of breakthroughs Um you know, it's like I think about sometimes if you have a talisman, not, not in the astrological magic sense, but just, you know, an object like a baby blanket or a stuffed animal, even a picture, maybe there's something here with that. So, oh, I love that because that's, that's one thing that I noticed really about, um, on the other side of thing, Virgo season in 2021 was the, it had a grand trine energy going on in, in earth between, uh, Uranus and Taurus and, uh, Pluto and Capricorn. And we see that here again with the moon. It's like basically the moon's next. Oh, that is a bad triangle. I'm drawing Uh, (laughs) like a witch's hat. Um, but it has that, uh, that quality where it's the, the next thing I think it meets it's, it's moving away from the opposition with Neptune, which is that purging and that letting go and that, you know, the, the release quality. Um, cause Virgo has like, Virgo is like, 
the discernment quality of, I only need this, you know, it has a very paring down donation. Um, this doesn't fit within the order of my life any longer. It has that trine to the North node has the trine to Pluto, which is ready to change things up too. So yeah, it really just, uh, comes back to, uh, our initial talk about the, the purge quality and the clean, the cleansing quality that Pisces season can bring where we think emotionally, but a lot of times we have our emotions tied up. I mean, speaking as a cancer uh, in physical things and the things that we collect and what we hold dear and, and cherish. And when they run their course, they end up like weighing us down possessions, you know, and if we're going to move on to this fabulous new life, and the birth of, you know, all these eclipses coming and, and all that. And I know personally, I am purging big time. So you're, you're speaking, you're speaking to me, SJ. I'm like, I'm purging. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Love I'm that. pretty, I'm pretty small with what I carry uh, already, but yeah, it, it can even be just one. I, I guess I like what you're alluding to the symbol. Sometimes it's just one item that maybe we've retained and it's like, do I need, is this like with Pluto there? I think about, um, triggering a kind of deeper meaning maybe with something and that we even a symbolic burning is kind of maybe something that could happen where we just maybe spiritually or do a little bit of a ritual around letting something go as a kind of healing uh symbol I, I, that there's something it's not a fire there's not, not a lot of fire in this chart but i know there isn't but, is there <laughs> but uh, i'm like are we burying maybe we need to bury very yeah, <laughs> very much good or fire as or a remedial fire thing in, and then you know, ash it uh, like sp spread the ashes in the forest or in the yes. ocean. I mean, uh, re responsibly, of course, you know, we are environmentalists here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and like, we're on the downturn of the moon cycle, right? It's waning at this time. So it is a releasing quality. It's still pretty full in its expression, but, um, and, and, and at this point, uh, well, it's not quite disseminating yet. It's still in the full moon phase. I was going to say, cause the disseminating likes to release that and give it to others. But, um, I don't know. I, I feel like you'll know what is, what it gives to your life and what is has run its course and just kind of run with that. See, see where it takes you. Um, but it's, so it's interesting how we move forward, uh, to the next, uh, moon quarter is going to be the last quarter at five degrees Sagittarius Wednesday, the 23rd. Um, and so there's no, there's really just moon aspects that are, and those are important in everyday life, but we would need like five hours to talk probably about all that, <laughs> all that going on. So the next big thing that happens is really that last quarter moon, um, on February 23rd, uh, in Sagittarius. And it coincides with Venus and Mars over there, uh, in Capricorn, uh, holding, do, holding hands. They've been holding hands since their conjunction in mid-February. Um, but now they're making a sextile to Neptune over there in Pisces. And so th this is an interesting uh, connection, especially coinciding with a, a last quarter moon in Sagittarius. Also, we have at the same time, we have Mercury leaving its shadow here in Aquarius and about to make its long-awaited perfected square <laughs> with uh, Uranus because Mercury stationed retrograde um, square Uranus, but it, it, it didn't fully square it. So it was like a lot of introductory period uh, going on there. So there's something to be said about 
February 23rd and the 24th, which are uh, Wednesday and Thursday. That's right when I go on my trip, by the way. (laughs) But that's when I go into Zion. Um, But that's a lot to put together. Uh, SJ, what do you think? Last quarter, Venus, Mars, Mercury, Uranus. Yeah, it's a lot there. I, I will just, I want to just say these, the Libra moon and the Scorpio moon, I do think will might even be moon, moon, uh, lunar transits that um, we might be feeling the Venus Mars even more because yeah. uh, of the rulership of the moon and the moon making an aspect in both of those signs, first the square to the Venus Mars conjunction and then the sextile to the Venus Mars conjunction. So I think um, just to say that, to point out here, but that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, leading up to the to the exact last quarter uh, moon that you pointed out, that early week, I would be I would be um, you know engaging with Venus Mars, or at least being aware that you you might be talking about all those combinations. You've got two planets of of physical relate in the relationship to physicality, planets of different types of relational um relating you know and it's they're very much about relationships and you know i don't know what's gone on with the relationship story for folks over the whole venus retrograde that we're just coming out of and now mars has entered capricorn to join venus and so i think this could be uh in a way um a not a climax that's maybe the wrong word but just a deeper engagement with whatever even the venus retrograde story i keep going back to because i've talked to a lot of people that maybe had a dating relationship or that there's issues in whatever the relationships are romantic or otherwise that that now can kind of begin moving forward again this might be some dynamic you know learning those lessons applying the lessons of venus retrograde getting into action with others there's all kinds of ways that could go here even art making art i kind of love that Mm. for venus uh mars mars being tools venus being uh, art of all kinds music you know so i do feel like that there's something with with this lunar cycle that um will trigger that. And it's, it's, you know, uh, Scorpio, which can be a difficult place for the moon. Now with the South node, this is, I think true the second transit with the South node, um, in, in Scorpio with the moon, this, I, I, you know, I relationships, when we think about relationships, it's the best ones can hold space like for each other. Right. So maybe someone around you is grieving more than you and you're, you're required to be there into some difficulties for people you love, or maybe you need to like, you know, the classic, can you hold me for a second, please? Or can I have a hug? This kind of energy, yeah. I think, might be part of this kind of this Scorpio moon, which which is in the, all of the Taurus and Scorpio. It's opposite where the moon is as we speak, you know, roughly. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the moon now in uh, Taurus for the first time with, Ke- with Rahu. But all, this whole axis now takes on this nodal kind of uh, deepening and it feels just important to me as, as we set up for that, for that Sagittarius moon. I think when the moon hits Sagittarius, it actually is going to come as some kind of relief here. Yeah, this will be this, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the second Sagittarius moon with the, with uh, Ketu out of Sagittarius and with net with Jupiter and Pisces. So these Sagittarius moons are like some of the good stuff. And even though the moon is waning and now getting into the darkness, I think it's still some of the good stuff. And I'm glad you're leaving on your trip for when that Sagittarius. I know. I'm like, because... <laughs> not before. Not before. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great point. One of the things that we didn't um, really kind of bring into the discussion with Pisces earlier is how much of it, it is a bonding and merging sign when it comes to relate, you know, Pisces, like. Pisces energy. It's like, who am I connecting with? I want to be held. I want to have 
friends. I want to have a lover. I want like Pisces just is like, how do I get with other people? It depends on other people. Um, and so even though we have like the, the big relationship, um, signs of Libra and Scorpio, which obviously, you know, that whenever the moon is moving through Libra and Scorpio, it's like there, it is relational city. Um, and it's a lot of times it's the relationship to yourself because however you are relating to other people is, is telling to what's going on inside, but adding to that component of just relationships in general, um, and how we merge and connect with other people, uh, is just going to take on extra importance because a it's Pisces season and that's a consideration. Um, but, you know, as Venus and Mars conjunct in the sky. And like you said, um, aspecting from Libra and Scorpio as it leads to the release, you know, cause I feel like I actually agree, like the optimism that is generally associated with, uh, a moon in Sagittarius, uh, comes back into the forefront. Now that you have that, the draining quality of the South node has, has moved on. And so we, we've done our lessons, we've done our work in Sagittarius. And so now we get that good, that good Jupiter juice to come back in. But, um, Scorpio gets a little, Scorpio gets a little rocky, uh, there, but the nice thing about Scorpio too, is as the moon moves through it, it does make that sextile to Venus and Mars, but it also trines into all the Pisces. So yeah, <laughs> I like it. Libra might be the little rockier one. You got the trying to the Saturn, you know, v- uh, Venus and Mars. So Libra might be a little cold, detached, all business. And then you get the Scorpio and you're like, I, like you said, I need a hug. Can we like, can we get like, we're arguing over semantics or we're arguing over, you know, and it's like, come on, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I think you're wise to point out here, um, you know, look where the, look what Mars is happening in the sky. It's, it's exalted and, and Capricorn traveling with Venus. That's, it's very supportive for Mars, this whole yeah. transit and making the sextile, the Pisces and Jupiter there, uh, it's separating, but it's still, uh, you know, by sign. And I, and I, so I do think that the Scorpio moon has a, has a, has a nice constructive quality. This whole period for me feels quite constructive because of how strong Mars is. And, 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 and Venus rules Pisces by exaltation, Mars rules Pisces by triplicity, night triplicity. And so there's just a lot happening with Jupiter having so much support, um, with these uh, other rulers of Pisces being, being dynamic here. I think when Jupiter, when Mars and Venus enter Aquarius, it does something to Jupiter and Pisces and Jupiter will be closer to Neptune then. And I think we're going to have a little bit more of a rockier road with Jupiter and Pisces in, in, um, in March. Um, I think that this is kind of the good time for Jupiter mm. and Pisces here in February when we're, when we've got these, just the configurations of the sextiles. And I love that you point that out with the Scorpio moon because Scorpio moons gen- usually are, can be rough, but this is is quite nice. Um, so yeah. anyhow, I, I think this is important background. Now I'm coming yeah. to the original question of like, what about this Sagittarius moment? But, but you you painted it though, because the Sagittarius moment coincides with the Neptune a- aspect of Mars and Venus, you know, making that exact sextile. And like, I think about like the relationship planets contacting Neptune and it's like, Oh, can I get a little compassion? Can I get a little consideration? Can we let this go? Uh, how do we work? You know, what's the bigger thing that we're working towards? And can we get rid of all the, all the like back and forth, you know, tiffs and, uh, yeah, that are like, keep us from like the real goal that's in place. But, um, and, in the, in the vision of the, the Sagittarius moon, like the bigger picture here. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that, and that's really important, I think, to mention how grounding these sextiles are going to be for Neptune and Pisces, which can sometimes feel so dissipatory, you know, so much dissipation that it's fun. I love Neptune, actually. A lot of astrologers are, you know, Neptune is a malefic. You hear this chorus a lot on Twitter. And I, I kind of, you have to be prepared to go into the energy. But once you've done it a few times, I think it can be quite constructive. But in this particular moment here, when you've got this sextile applying, when the moon's in Sagittarius, um, I think you'll have the grounding that can come from Venus and Mars and Capricorn to work with head in the clouds, feet on the ground, right? This might be a way to think mm. about this particular transit. But then the Sag moon, is, it's the fire. Uh, it's that fire that comes in. And so I do think that there's kind of a groundedness here and maybe even exploring from a place of groundedness, just like you mentioned with your trip. You're like, I'm going to go to Zion. And um, it's, you sound very grounded, but at the same time, excited and explorative. So it's kind of, that's a perfect, you know, your life events are kind of lining up quite well, I think for this, for this transit. Wow. And I, I hope so. I mean, of course, Mercury over here, square and Uranus can always bring some interesting things, but at yeah. the same time, it's like, if you're looking for adventure, if you're looking for something different, if, which is what I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm like, I live in a routine where day I'm like, I need something different. And I need me different mental st stimulation. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like, I mean, Mercury and in, in Uranus meeting does have that kind of Mercury retrograde feeling to it, where in the sense where it's just like, you know, you, you got to be careful on the roads. You got to, yes. you got to double check everything that the details and everything that you're signing, like things will can yes. pop up and, um, or you get calls that you're all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're in a situation you weren't anticipating and then that changes and, um, or you get cancellations or, you know, things along those lines. So it does have that flavor to it, but th this is really where you want to look back into mid January and which was, was, was a haywire type of period for a lot of people. There was a lot of, um, People are like, is this Mercury retrograde like extra? And I'm like, well, it's kind of extra because it's stationing square Uranus. And, and it's it's basically was prepping a Saturn Uranus story. And so whatever Mercury had been prepping, stationed on Pluto, you know, like because this is this was not your average Mercury retrograde. Like this is this is no. souped up <laughs> Mercury, Saturn back Mercury. Um, and so there's something to be said about the 24th. 25th and really the whole period until until mercury makes it to saturn which is actually going to be on the the new moon uh which we'll get to on march 2nd that there's a whole mercurial story that's developing aside from the other things so any thoughts on that sj the retrograde the where it's at you're honest no. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of Mercury Saturn combinations. I, I really uh, enjoy how constructive they can be when combined, especially in a situation where you have it happening in Aquarius, a sign that it is itself the two rulers of Aquarius. So by domicile, Saturn rules Aquarius. There is no exaltation ruler, but there is a triplicity ruler. Uh, and those are two triplicity rules night triplicity, Mercury, day triplicity, Saturn. So there's really only those two planets ruling, if you talk about major rulers in the ancient system, it's Mercury and Saturn. So when they meet in Aquarius, mm. it's, 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 I think, um, great opportunity, it could be great opportunities for things like science and what, and you don't have to be a scientist to engage in this kind of tinkering or mental kind of applications of processes, 
You know, um, it's very heady, it's very intellectual, but for tangible purposes. And, and so I just, I think people can, and, and what I would also say about it is this Mercury retrograde going over the hot degrees of our moment in time, right? The hot degrees of our age, let's say, with uh, Jupiter. So sorry, with, uh, so there's a bunch of them, but you have like the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in early 2020, you have yeah. the which is, I don't, I don't think that Mercury came all the way back to that one. It's stationed a degree over, I believe. From, from yeah, that, it, it was close though. It was it close. Was close. But it, but then it came and hit the Jupiter Saturn conjunction, which is the one that I'm maybe most interested in that zero yes. Aquarius. And so that, that Mercury has been going over that to, uh, this retrograde has to me felt for a number of reasons. You mentioned stationing so close to Saturn, stationing so close to the square to Uranus. Um, this, I, I think, has been a big part of like our, the story of our age, you know, and, and even personally, like think about what's happened in the last two years and this Mercury retrograde is a time to review or look back or think about and tinker, but now it's direct, it's out of the shadow, it's hitting Saturn. And so I've been thinking about this whole Saturn period as it's in now new degrees and fresh degrees in Aquarius. The Jupiter Saturn co present is over. The Saturn Pluto conjunction is now wide enough by orb that it's kind of dissipating that we can kind of lean into constructive parts of Saturn and Aquarius. You know, it's not so much of like the restriction side now with Saturn and Aquarius. It's almost like now we can get used to the new rules, the new things that have been implemented and start using them to like set ourselves up for uh, as a jumping off place, the new structures are now a jumping mm. off place. And so that's what I think about the opportunities. I'm really excited about this Mercury Saturn moment. And even that square with Uranus, you know, if we, if it's not unexpected challenge, maybe it can be like lightning flashes where, you know, from maybe unexpected challenge, there's ways to implement, uh, ways to use the Saturn and Aquarius story as ju- as a jumping off place. So those are, those are kind of my thoughts on, on that. Um, I try to, st- I'm really an optimistic person, probably to my, to my detriment, but I kind of lean into most transits and I try to kind of tease out, you know, how we can use the stuff as uh, uh, positively, but um, so well, you know. do got a Jupiter backed Mercury. So I get it. I got a Mercury Jupiter conjunction and a fire sign. So I feel like okay. I'm right there with you. I like, I cool. like to like, let's get into the optimism. Uh, you yeah. know, like it's, it's okay to set your mind up like that. I think, um, cool. but, uh, what came to mind as you were talking about that is, I mean, you know, I think about Mercury square Uranus is there is those kind of erratic ideas that can come up and these seeming breakthroughs. Um, and, uh, some things that you think of might then can get all excited about, but really the logistics aren't there. So by the time that Mercury meets Saturn, any breakthrough that you had, like some can still be viable, but I think it's a weeding out process that Saturn might be doing as you get into, like you said, the more airy, you know, scientific, like, like piece it all out, you know, um, and realize that like, oh, that kind of harebrained idea might not work, but that little piece of it that I extracted uh, could work and I could develop that further. So I think whatever we come up with when Mercury squares Uranus will be like, uh, you know, it'll be exciting. It'll be enough, but it might not be like the full picture because we got to get down to the reality of Saturn within it. Um, But we can still work with something that has awakened us uh, during that period. Yeah. And I think we're going to need it because Mars, Saturn and Aquarius, I mean, that's, that's where I would, if I had to pick something that of these upcoming transits in the you know immediate few months, that's one where I'd be a little bit more kind of, um, 
you know, we got to prepare for that. That could be a little gnarly, uh, a little hairy and a little kind of uh, shaking the structures. And I don't think that that's not going to happen at all during Pisces season, but these are again, um, hitting similar degrees, hitting similar areas of the Zodiac. And so maybe the planning here with Mercury Saturn combinations, we can kind of plan for how we're going to engage Mars uh, meeting Saturn. And I believe, what is that April there? They perfect the conjunction. I think in early April, it is the Mars uh, Saturn conjunction is like April 1st, is it? Or is it April 4th? We April have 4th. it here, okay. yeah. 22 yeah. degrees uh, of Aquarius, which is interesting because I was talking about this with Gary Caton in the last episode, because um, uh, we just keep having these like serendipitous uh, conjunctions at the Jupiter Saturn degree at zero degrees. And the last time that Mars and Saturn met together was at that same degree in 2020. So there's something to be said about the wrapping up of the Mars Saturn cycle and how Mars and Venus are going to meet at this point, uh, on March 5th. And it's just like these last, uh, ditch, uh, efforts from Mars and Saturn before the new cycle seed. So, um, so we're not in like totally new territory with just the, the encapsulated energy of Mars and Saturn and Aquarius, because we've had its whole cycle under this, uh, the signature. Um, but yeah, it's, and it, but it's been a difficult cycle. <laughs> has, yeah. it, has it not since March of 2020? So there is that to be said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me go. Where, where am I? Where am I? Um, all right. So, oh, you know, so let's move on to, uh, actually back to our Mars and Venus story. What's interesting is, uh, on the last day of February, uh, they go on to make a trine, uh, with the North node there. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, a trine it's, it's easy, but there's something to be said about everything that Venus and Mars are going through right now, right? You know, like we have the moon activation the day before, um, so, or two days before. So we have the moon crossing over this uh, Venus, Mars, and really Pluto. We're at this point, we are getting into Venus, Mars, Mars. Pluto territory, yes. um, all trying the North Node. So, and the moon lights that up, um, basically, I think it's Sunday or no, it's, it, yeah, well, it's a Saturday and Sunday. Basically we are, we, of uh, what day is 26th and the 27th of February still on vacation, still on vacation. <laughs> um, uh, but it's interesting to have the trying to the North node as we get like a pretty intense activation, um, with the relationship planets, but there's something very, uh, faded or uh, like a door opening to a, a bigger story that's at play. So what, what do you think about that time period? Yeah. I'm th- I guess the word that just came to me is like soulmates. I know that's a large, a loaded term and kind of a controversial one, but I do think that, um, in my life, even just think about like people out there that are listening, like the last two years, the last five years, um, people that you've met where this is like, okay, I didn't meet this person randomly. You know, and it could be something as innocuous as like the person that you see for three or four months, like delivering your mail and you have a few conversations, but they tell you something that turns you on to something else. I mean, I I believe we're kind of in this kind of, uh, you know, soul matrix or something like this, that 
really people that we end up pairing off with for exchanges. Time flies, you know, even a Mm -hmm. 20 minute conversation is kind of rare in person now as everything is online, you know? And so I would look, I, this to me feels like meeting soulmates, engaging with soul relationships that have been around for the last five years, 10 years, our whole lifetimes where there's an unearthing or I, the word I've been using a lot for Pluto recently is excavation and Mm -hmm. that where we are kind of dredging up or we're just going to see kind of maybe our soul imprint or the way that we have our, and I, I, I sound so new agey. I'm kind of a new ager. I mean, I, I take that label. I'm fine with it. I, I, I'm, I'm into all kinds of alternative spiritualities and, you know, grounded in Theravada Buddhism, but I have different worldviews and things, but if people don't like the word soul, maybe you can think about just, you know, people that are walking your path or people that you are kind of teaming up with in this life. And it feels like it's a match. I mean, there's other ways to explain this, but this does feel very like heavy soul energy of like a soul fellowship. And whether that's the past, I think about Capricorn often can be past because it's old ancient Mm -hmm. things. And it's, it's not the dynamic day ruler of Saturn. It's the the night ruler. So it's like, when we go home at night, we dream and we think about things. And, you know, so there, I, I, this just feels very faded relationships, uh, old things that are emerging, or maybe old things that are coming up to be seen or felt or healed almost very. And Venus is still in the degrees of its retrograde. So maybe this is when the old relationships emerge and we're having to kind of confront um things we're still carrying with us um relational attitudes people that are actually we're in relationship with but i I just want to say one more thing when venus stationed on pluto just to remember i would encourage people to go back and look at that period because it was intense i mean i haven't i don't remember an an, as intense venus retrograde station uh and it's been a few years since there's there's been one that was quite as intense. And I mean, in in terms of like hitting at different levels of the consciousness, you know, like these, what I was saying earlier about the seriousness of relationship, that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of soul connection. Relationships can be a serious matter. You know, they, they talk about in the nursing homes, they go talk to people and all they want to talk about is who they loved. You know, Mm. the money doesn't matter. None of it. It's just, what were those core few relationships that we had? And then when when we're transitioning out of this life, that's what we want to think about. So this is what it feels like to me that we're coming back to trigger. It's part of this same story with Mars there. I just hope it's maybe a little bit more constructive and maybe a little bit more like building uh, upon some of these realizations. But to me with Pluto, sometimes that can even subsume the Mars. I mean, that's what Pluto is. It's just not, especially when things are right close to it, it kind of all bets are off, you know, with those planets being able to do things they like to do. And so anyhow, that's my, that's my, some of my thoughts on it. I would just say love people, center love and just kind of healing love, you know, might probably be the way to go, you know? Yeah. I, well, the image that came to mind as you're talking about this and like, it kind of goes with excavating, but more maybe the, uh, the pole of it is like any planet that comes into the domain of, uh, Pluto by conjunction to me, it's almost like the ground opens 
and it, it, the ground, you know, especially an earth sign, the ground opens and it, it starts to swallow you. It swallows whatever it's cause it's taking it down under. Um, and this isn't Venus's first rodeo as you, as you pointed out. And that's the important part about this and, uh, where Mars plays, um, a role in this all because Venus knows this territory. Venus has already engaged with it. Um, I mean, she stationed, uh, retrograde on December 19th. She had the conjunction to, uh, Pluto, I think on the 11th of December. And then that following one was on Christmas and really that whole Christmas period to the first days of the new year were super tough as Mercury went over Venus and Pluto. And I'll tell you what that like relationally speaking in my relationship, those were some dark days. Those, <laughs> those were dark dark days. Um, but I knew it. Thank God for astrology, because if I didn't know that I, it wouldn't have been pretty. Um, but I mean, you can really look back to that period of time, especially most of December, but really as she did her second pass there, um, and Mercury went over cause Mercury stationed in that zone too. So there's so yeah. much Pluto content that has been going on for the last couple months. And so here is sort of this, I wouldn't say last hurrah, but, uh, it is definitely an activation that is not one that is based in new. So when you talk about bringing up the past, whether the past is, uh, two months ago or the past is 20 years ago or two lifetimes ago, if we want to go back to many lives, many masters, um, there is, uh, just a quality of something that still needs to be, uh, dealt with or, um, or there's a, a powerful moment that you've already encountered that can be uh, really taken in. Because I think if Pluto is empowering too, it's like it can it can totally break apart and dislodge something. But at the same time, it can also bring a great power to it, especially if it's a unified force. And we're talking about Venus and Mars together and what an exalted Mars can bring to the table too. Um, and we might be getting ahead of ourselves because really this conjunction happens when we have our new moon. So all this energy that we're talking about is not just a one uh, stop, you know, situation. It is a whole lunar cycle that's going to be embedded in this. Um, but that's, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting uh, in many ways. Um, but, uh, but I'm also a Plutonian person. So maybe <laughs> that's why I find it exciting. I have so, a run of my sin yeah. in the, 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 uh, within a degree. So. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a Plutonian and I would just say that, that, um, this, this particular moment here that we're now are talking about to me feels like if we had to pick one thing for this, the cut, the time we're covering, I would, this would be on my short list of one of the most important energies that defines this, this, um, season, this Pisces season, yeah. because like you say, it gets locked in and the syzygy and the new moon. And so, um, I, I do, I just want to, the only thing else I would add is that there does feel like a sense of final review, taking action on the insights, on the things that have been excavated. The great thing about Pluto is that um, it's stuff that's already there. So it brings up the stuff that's already present. And that's the, that's the kind of beauty of it and the terrifying of part of it is that, you know, the things we don't want to look at that we've been running from, well, no, now you, they're there and you have to see them. And um, with Mars, that's my hope too, is that it just can be a constructive where we can use that. And, and, and the fact that Venus is now moving forward and won't be returning to these degrees again until next year, Mars won't be there for two years, roughly, that we're going to, that maybe there's a sense of putting to bed some of the 
late Capricorn activations of the last several years. Yeah. Now, the, the, the one thing I will also mention is that um, sadly, not sadly, but just, you know, <laughs> that's, up, that's a Saturnian yeah. word. I heard the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Just strap up because 2023 uh, Pluto will enter zero Aquarius. So like you and the, those three conjunctions, you and yeah. Gary were talking about Venus, Mars this year conjoined zero Aquarius, Saturn, Jupiter, late 2020 conjoined zero, zero Aquarius. And then Mars, Saturn, 2020, right? Conjoined uh-huh, zero Aquarius. That. And so um, when Pluto gets there, it's, all, I wish it, I mean, I, I was like, I hope Pluto, I wish Pluto was in something like, I don't know, Virgo, because we could really be done with all of these late cap, early Aquarius stuff. But I, I you know, it's not, nope. we're not done with it. Unfortunately, nope. we're not done with it. So, um, you know, but maybe just for, for the, for this particular cycle, like Mars, Venus getting clearing this, there is nothing else for a while. And I think that can be, um, it's something to be optimistic about because uh, whereas the station retrograde of Venus on Pluto, that was just kicking this whole thing off, you know? I know. Yeah, and and we had to go through all of this month or two months of of it. Now it's over for now on a localized uh, timeframe. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm optimistic. And I like that Mars is there for kind of saying goodbye. Mars is sometimes like, see ya, sayonara. You get in the car, you drive off. You know, Mars can be a planet of leaving something. Oh, absolutely. And so, so, you know, sometimes things get too intense. You know, you're processing uh, this Plutonic and Venus retrograde. It's like, sometimes just now nah, I'm turning this off. I'll see you next year. And I'll see, you know, enough therapy for now. You know, let me just get into life a little bit. That's kind of how this feels to me too. Yeah. You know? Well, and it makes a lot of sense too, because to paint some context here of where this kind of is leading us to, because we're, we keep talking about that new moon that's going to happen in Pisces on Wednesday, March 2nd, but really the few days that lead up to it, um, past this, uh, Mars, Venus, North node trine in the, uh, and just the, the impending Pluto, um, and the kind of like that, that faded the connective, you know, back to the synchronicity of, and dredging up things from the past, but also making breakthroughs around them. We go into the very dark quality of the balsamic moon with the sun making a sextile to Uranus with Mercury conjunct Saturn right before the new moon. And so it, it had, and then of course, Venus, Mars, and Pluto um, all gearing up to make a conjunction there. And so it has this really, to play off of what you were just saying, a really decisive quality. If, like if we're talking about cutting and running mm-hmm. or, or cutting whatever that, or the, the, the cancerous part of whatever has been, you know, hold on to or the system or the past or whatever, like there is a heaviness, um, but there's also a very decisive quality and a very, especially with Mercury and Saturn together, um, just, and having that higher perspective, hopefully of the Aquarius energy to where it sees the bigger picture. It can be, um, impartial enough or like, or like detached enough to be like, 
not so mired in the, uh, the emotional quality to, of it, or the, you know, cause a lot of times we make decisions or we hold on to things because we're so like embedded in whatever that is. But the Aquarius gives us the detachment to look from a, a farther space, to understand it without it like emotionally taking over. Uh, and then we have the sun, which is, you know, gets a, a doorway open to some sort of like enlightenment or some sort of realization with Uranus and, and, um, what we're like building or what we're putting, what we're working towards, what, what's the foundation here. Uh, so there, it's such an interesting, like releasing balsamic phase right before, uh, like a new moon, like it's conjunction city, new moon, basically. So, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, just what you point out, it's like this, I don't, this feels climactic. It feels like a local top or bottom or however you want to describe it. You know, if you're going to tell someone goodbye um, and you're going to, or you're going to cut your losses might be the, like the, where the Aquarian would come in where yeah. like, it's just time to cut the losses. Cause I've thought about it. I've done this detached analysis with Mercury and Saturn and Aquarius, the moon's there. I'm cutting my losses. You know, you, you snip and then you get this kind of rebirth on the new moon of maybe the sadness that comes from that. Sometimes we got to let people go and we got to let situations go because it's just, it's not anybody's bad. It's just that the truth, our deeper reality, Pluto, the nodes, you know, those assert themselves and it's time to, to step into some, something else, you know, and, and often inspiration comes. This is what's so great about the, the Aquarian, mm. with the Mercury and Saturn together. It's like you get to really think well. And think clearly and think in a, like with a mature adult thinking, you know, where's the adult in the room that it's, this feels very, like there's a large dose of that. And, and it really does kind of contain and it's separated, right? There's, it doesn't aspect Capricorn. It doesn't aspect Pisces, this kind of adult in the room. Now, when the moon's there, it's nice. Cause it's, but, but during that new moon, even this adult in the room moment, I do feel like will, um, be palpably felt and that we're going to be able to sort of um, lean into Saturn Mercury as a, um, as, as a kind of primary, as a coping strategy. It's how, how strange is that Saturn is a coping mechanism, but that's what it can be that like the old ancient things that have endured time that you can sometimes lean into like a, the Bible or a book that's lasted around Shakespeare. I've been uh, digging into Hamlet recently it's just beautiful. That story is just the test of time, you know? So I would be looking for things like that too, to help, you know, talk about grounding and with earth signs, we think about grounding, but sometimes there can be intellectual um, ideas that ground us, you know, ideas of ways of thought that we kind of can lean mm -hmm. into, or even mantras, you know, these are mental statements that, that can hold everything together. And that's what I, yeah, I'm just struck by, yeah, I mean, everything you said just feels so profound there um, in terms of the, this being, I was just thinking, wow, um, it really is coming. It really is all here, right? All of the stories we've been it describing. Is. It's a culmination. It is. And <laughs> well, and that's, the, so two things come to mind as you're stating that. Um, the first thing that 
well, first thing, number one with Jupiter, we always want to think Jupiter gives us like the optimism and the, like the, the, and it does, it gives us optimism, gives us the hope, it gives us the abundance, gives us the wisdom, you know, et cetera. But a lot of times we get there because it's like our story is moving on. You know, you see Jupiter and death charts a lot. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, the, it's do. the next stage. Yes. And it's like the next stage is not always this like ride a rainbow into like some sort of like benefic, like it's, it's, it's setting us up there, but it is, it has a growth story that is essentially rooted, especially in this lunation. But as you were speaking about, like, you know, we were talking about the doorway opening for uh, a release or a, a cut and a run, or if you have to say goodbye or make peace with something that has to go like as an artist, Myself, you know, one of the most profound uh, access access points to creativity is sadness or having to go through loss or going through uh, a parting or learning something that is like that. I don't want to say the hard way, but just through the trajectory of living life, like the human experience, you know, and the human experience can be bittersweet. Like that's the nature of being human. It's uh, so there's such a creative potency that can be embodied within this new moon. But sometimes we get there because we are, um, you know, because we're having the human experience and that is, can sometimes be painful or, or grief stricken. Um, and that has different levels, you know, like they can have immense grief or immense pain, or it could just be this, this tender loss. That's a moment in time that you'll transcend, uh, in a couple weeks. Like it doesn't have to be this long lasting thing. It's just a, it's like a kicking, uh, a start, a kickoff point. I'm like a football. I don't know. Um, <laughs> where, you know, you're introduced into those feelings that have a very creative, um, edge that can then be the, the sweetness that comes out of um, more of the the Saturnian uh, component, or yeah. Anyways, yeah. So yeah, and that's. I mean, I love all that, and I I, I think um, you know, seeing this chart, I'm just looking at it. I was looking at it while you were speaking, and just this really is um, all Jupiter and Pisces. I mean, it's. I mean, aside from the intensities, I mean, we can set aside, just let's for a second, if we set aside this conjunction, this intense Saturn-Mercury conjunction, that's a that's a combination, then the late conjunctions and late Capricorn. Um, but look, look, look how close the sun and moon are to Jupiter. I mean, yeah. they are within two, just over two degrees. And then the other thing I want to point out is that they are not only in Pisces, but they're both Jupiter and the two luminaries are in the Egyptian terms. So you have the Egyptian terms there. I use the Egyptian terms uh, quite a bit in my delineations and, and my astrology, but all three are in the Egyptian terms. And you can think about those power degrees of Jupiter as just a sub house. So it's not a sub a room in a larger house. So it's not only that they're sharing the house of Pisces, they're actually in the same room. It, it's almost and it's like, such a small room too. Yeah. It's like a small bound. <laughs> yeah. It's like a seance or something, like where they're just like on that table holding hands. And so I, I see this chart and it this does and, and the other thing about and it. It's is also Saturn. the decan of Jupiter, too. Uh, I don't have the decans up here, um, but it is uh the middle decan. Yes, it is um, the decan yeah. of Jupiter. So yeah, we're we're absolutely. adding yeah. Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupiter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, and that even yeah, so the decan, yeah, that's might even be, you know, that's a whole what is this? The uh nine of um the cups. nine of cups. This is the wish granted or the uh, you know, like the yeah. So it is, it does have that very 
yeah, it has a, it has a hopeful signature uh, in many ways. Very much so in my view, but there's no aspect. So it's averse to the Aquarius placements. And then the sextiles are often just supportive. You know, this isn't, there's nothing in this chart that is harming Jupiter, the sun and the moon in a kind of what what, uh, Richard Tarnas would call like the dynamic activation of a hard aspect. That's not happening here. So it's, this is my favorite new moon. I mean, I, I, I think I wrote an article I wrote on the 2022 astrology. This is one I put in that article um, because of how Jupiterian and just powerfully Jupiterian it is. And I, I would just, you know, I think we've covered quite well the Venus, Mars, Pluto, uh, the Saturn, Mercury, the Uranus, Uranus uh, uh, squares, but it, it's worth to me just just kind of coming back to Jupiter uh, as well um, as a kind of overriding feature energetically of this particular moment. And yeah. just getting it. Yeah, just I'm just thinking about the. I, I want to just like give one uh, bring Jupiter quickly back to like some of the basics. Like you alluded to them, abundance, okay, uh, good tidings, optimism. I mean, I, I think gratitude list. I really feel like there's. Mm. And third, we always qualify Jupiter like, well, Jupiter, yes, but let's let's not qualify it. Let's say this is going to be awesome. This could be potentially an amazing moment to just feel the abundance in your life and the love in your life. Like this could be Jupiter without qualification. Uh, so th that's how I'm feeling about this. I'm, I'm very, 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 very excited about it. Um, and there, I mean, I think there's every reason to be excited about it. I mean, what is the moon's uh, trajectory? It literally makes a sextile to Uranus. That's where we get our excitement, right? And then it <laughs> conjuncts the moon and then goes and conjuncts Jupiter next. So yeah. this the whole lunation is like uh, pivoted or, you know, like encapsulated within uh, an opening door with Uranus uh, and a conjunction with Jupiter. And to go back to our whole bounds theory, Jupiter gets even more because that Mercury Saturn conjunction is actually in Jupiter's bound in Aquarius yep. too. Yep. So, you know, uh, our maturity, our matured moment, uh, the, the adults in the room that we were talking about earlier is actually on team Jupiter. Yep. Um, but in order to move on and to move into greater abundance and to move down the path of that, you know, your soul's calling to a lot of times you got to, you, you know, it's not all candy and rainbows. You got to think some, you got to have a strategy. You got to have a plan. You got to see the bigger picture within it. Um, you got to have real talk. Uh, you know, you got to cut things off that don't serve the the bigger vision uh, ahead. It seems very vision board. If there's a time to make a vision board, this is probably, <laughs> this is probably a new moon that would very, you know, make your gratitude list and then put that gratitude list into your vision board. Um, and, uh, see what the universe, you know, brings to you then, because there is, it's just so much conjunction energy, right? A con all this conjunction and like a sextile. So there's, there's a lot of, there's opening here, even though it's a close, you know, we talked about mutable water earlier and it being like that transcendent phase and that transitionary energy of mute, you know, mutability. But, um, you know, when you, when you make a, when you make a transition, obviously that's a, that you're on the path to what that start is. And it alludes to everything that you were talking about earlier in the program of what airy season and then the eclipses that are to come have to bring. So, um, I'm excited just talking about it. I'm just, <laughs> me, too. me too. I'm pumped. I mean, I'm so pumped for this moment because yeah, these, these conjunctions are if set aside now we can, like you set aside Jupiter and the new moon, 
just these conjunctions are, are powerful, just as yes. you mentioned, and and we've covered them so you know somewhat. We, we, yeah, <laughs> but it's like these three features that are all encapsulated here in this new moon syzygy that will capture the energy for the next what is it, twenty eight days or, or twenty nine yeah. and a half days. So it's powerful. It's beautiful. It makes me want to kind of tear up as an astrologer. These kinds of moments that are going to be so epic and that you know like twitter will be exploding on this you know people will be there's so much here to like talk about there is i mean we could do two hours on this new moon alone i I mean easily Easily. (laughs) um so you know we haven't covered a lot with the venus and mars and pluto meeting which is what happens right after um you know, right after this new moon, uh, they perfect on March 3rd there. Uh, but there's something to be said about just March 2nd and March 3rd, because, you know, obviously the moon's trajectory has us moving through, uh, the conjunction to Jupiter, the conjunction, a conjunction to Neptune, you know, we're getting an inkling into Jupiter, Neptune conjunction that's happening. Uh, that same day that we have Venus, Mars, and Pluto all meeting, this moon in Pisces is making a sextile to that period or that uh, that conjunction. Um, and really th- that that adds more to it too. Like we have these flowing aspects with it and, and it's it's seed these little seedlings that are really feeling into this potent um, energy. Uh, and the sun is basically conjunct Jupiter at this time too yeah. on on the fourth. Um, and Gosh. so this is that this, uh, this almost feels like the realization, um, you know, because obviously the new moon, it, it, we, we see it into it's a little bit quiet. You, you, we want the we want the moon to have a little distance from the uh, new moon p- position, so it doesn't have yeah. that combusted quality. Uh, but how perfect is the SJ to have a, a, the sun and Jupiter meet right as the moon is far enough away and in Aries? Like it's <laughs> that's not a fresh like. So whatever was going on the days before, it's like what kicks off now. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, this, and this does feel now as we get into a waxing phase, um, it, we're, we're starting to clear, uh, what has been, you know, this retrograde winter, you might want to call it. I've been calling it that. I've also been calling it, you know, overweight Saturn winter, whatever you you want to call it that. Just because we had six of the seven traditionals in, in Saturn ruled signs, um, and now that's beginning to loosen. But this waxing phase, Mercury has not only cleared its shadow, but now cleared Saturn in Aquarius. So that's nice that that part of this maybe Saturn hemming in Mercury is, is completed. Um, so shortly after this conjunction, Mars and Venus will come in to Aquarius. That will be a shift out of Capricorn that happens shortly here during this waxing cycle of the moon. And, um, and so I do think this will be a nice shift out of some of, we're not quite there yet. We're not home yet, but we're almost there. We only have Saturn's uh, day sex sign of Aquarius to clear with Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Mm-hmm. And they'll begin clearing them. I think during this waxing cycle, I think Mercury does come into Pisces 
Um, uh, yeah, on the 9th later. of uh, March. So it's not too too much longer. Um, and that will be a big, big ship for sure. Um, so, so now we're, yeah. we'll have a stellium, a transiting stellium in, in Pisces now, <laughs> as opposed to having a stellium in Capricorn and a stellium, then a stellium in Aquarius. We'll get that stellium now in Pisces if we just have what three we get like three days of like aquarius central basically from the from march 6th to march 9th um and it's interesting to see that uh that the moon uh so basically we have this the third grand or third grand conjunction third conjunction of uh venus and mars meeting um and the final one for quite some time and it's right there on the on the Jupiter Saturn point, and how perfect is it that uh, we just happen to have the Moon and Taurus square it <laughs> to the minute, to the minute, to the of, minute. of this? Uh, you know, like oh my goodness! And so to it makes me minute. wonder if the actual uh, conjunction itself is. This is when I get nerdy. Um, has this signature in in it? Uh, I think we'll it does. See. Oh, does we'll it? see if the moon has no, no, it's no, it's, it's uh, at 29 Aries, degrees yeah. Aries. That's funny. Um, but that there's something to be said about the moon kicking it off, but Venus is moon, mm-hmm. right? You know, that is Venus territory over there in, uh, Taurus. So, uh, there is, I, I think we're going to get an insight into whatever it is that is conjuncting and <laughs> starting because the moon in Taurus is going to give us some feedback. Uh, as to what's activating from this second position of a conjunction. Yeah. And I think it's this, this moment is very interesting to juxtapose with the moment we talked about before where we had the Libra moon waning and then the Scorpio moon waning Mm, while um, Mars and Venus were very close together in Capricorn. So that's a waning moon, which is a kind of uh, t- uh, turning down or letting go. Capricorn is the night sign, the earth sign, which is not as um, f- oriented towards, you know, future, the future or for, you know, real dynamic activity, um, you know, uh, on the one hand, I mean, arguably. And so this comes where you have a, now a waxing moon in, a, in Mars, first Mars ruled sign. Aries, and then in a Venus-ruled sign, Taurus, right as Mars and Venus shift into the active Aquarian posture. Mm-hmm. And so this may be where, you know, you've you've said goodbye, and now you're on the road, you know, and that maybe you're finding that rebound relationship. No, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, 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 it is Pisces season um. <laughs> to get over to get over you know the plut to plutonic if we just say now at least they're in separate signs now so maybe they're not out of orb of Pluto but they're in a separate sign now all ruled by Saturn but still let's just say there's something about moving out of the deep plutonic excavations here that um, with a waxing moon phase that I think yeah maybe this can be some kind of and it could be in your current relationship. Maybe this is when the dust is settled and it's like, okay, we have this new awareness and now we can, you know, try this out, this new dynamic, this newfound kind of dynamic we have. Well, you talk about this new awareness, you talk about hitting the road. Um, <laughs> and what's happening at the same time, we have mercury at the bending of the nodes. Uh, so, you know, if we're talking about kind of like a change of perception an important conversation, a, a trip that gets underway, whether it is metaphorically speaking or literally speaking, um, there's something to be said about this, uh, time period, because anytime a planet is at the bending of the nodes, 
there is, uh, and that's, I forgot to talk about that. I was going to start the program off talking about the full moon a little bit, because we're, we're, this airs right before we have a full moon in Leo, uh, at the bending of the nodes, um, which Uh is going to be telltale, uh, for this nodal story that's, uh, developing, but Hey, you know, cut my losses. Didn't think about it, but having Mercury here, uh, during this waxing phase, just everything you were just describing, um, seems very important, uh, for something that is being kicked off or a turning point or a decision, um, something along those lines or information that is in this small window of, uh, Saturn period, you know, with all four planets in, uh, in Aquarius, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the South bending here takes on maybe the feature, the feature of, uh, Ketu. And so, yes. you know, that's kind of a killjoy a little bit. I honestly seeing that, that I'm, I mean, maybe I'm a little ahead of myself. You just get a little less excited. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's just that, you know, it's like, I mean, this idea of like this new phase of a relationship, I, I think having Mercury here, maybe it's a conversation or words or writing. This feels maybe like the email that comes and, you know, it's like trying to address what happened. So you're, we're not quite done but maybe you can like read it later. Something, something like that. <laughs> you know, wait till the moon is in Gemini. Uh, maybe that's well, we will have yeah. first quarter in Gemini yeah. on uh, on March 10th. So, um, yeah, I feel let me yeah, maybe some of the more of that correspondence will will happen then. But uh, it is interesting how the moon uh, is back to where it is as we're talking now um, <laughs> uh-huh. with its conjunction with. Uh, with Uranus there. Mm. Uh, so it does have this kind of Uranus Saturn lead up that gets us to the Mercury, uh, bending moment. But, um, yeah, so, uh, but we need all these things. We need, we need form. We need decisiveness. We need uh, we're, we're looking for those synchronicities we're talking about earlier where, you know, information comes in, you meet the right people, you go to the right places, uh, and it, it changes the story. Cause so that's essentially what feels like it's happening more than anything, rather than placing a good or bad judgment on it. It's just something around the story itself is ready to shift. Um, and there's information or perceptions that are part of that change. Um, I think, <laughs> I think so. And it's very note the node, you know, in Taurus and Scorpio. This is a theme of this whole transit. And even when the nodes hit uh, Aries, Libra, of just kind of relationship synchronicities. I mean, the nodes may be being points. It's the nodes of fate, right? People, I love that mm. phrase. People, uh, and in these signs ruled by Mars and Venus, that there's an there's an ongoing nodal Mars Venus story that doesn't complete until 2024, actually. And so um, it's just worth noting that that's kind of the backdrop, even though this conjunction is going to be gone, long gone, there's still these kind of faded synchronistic connections. You know, the nodes were in North Node and Taurus when Facebook was founded. And think about how much Facebook has been about people reconnecting or synchronistic connections through the Internet, um, through something like Facebook, you know, and we're about. And so we have I think that's just it's worth I didn't mention that just as a backdrop there. And as you were talking, it reminded me of that. Oh yeah, we're all talking about the the Facebook story, its trajectory, and now how we're trying to get into a metaverse. We have a whole nother. They want us in avatars. They want us to uh, forget your physical form. Come load up and 
But every day I see like a new news story of how like metaverse is not quite working out this vision. So there's like sexual <laughs> harassment going on. Oh, yeah. There's like racism. There's like oh, yeah. there's like all the seedy parts of like the seedy parts of humanity where you can't live it out in real life because you're behind the uh, the digital uh, screen or mask. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's yeah. a whole other story. But it speaks to this next level of like, yeah, uh, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, it speaks, I just was going to say, it, it speaks yeah. actually in this chart because you have the, the Saturn-Jupiter point. And, and this is the age of, you know, an age of Aquarius that we've entered into. If that Saturn and Jupiter point becomes a root chart for 20 years, you know, that's the Saturn Jupiter point for the next 20 years. And it kicks off the Saturn Jupiter conjunctions in these air signs and for another 159 years, I think you've got, there's something about our current moment that does deal with technology and the way we relate through thing intermediated by the AI uh, is was a big part of this too. And I bring it up, I bring it up because I do think that we could see stories around like metaverse AI relationships, even as soon as March. I mean, I just saw a story last month uh, where it was like, like people are having an AI a relate girlfriend, boyfriend, or, you know, partner, there's a new app out and it got a big story about it because I mean, you know, people were basically acting out on their AI partner and I downloaded the app. So I downloaded it just to check it out. And it was crazy. Did you see the movie Her? Did you see the movie Her? No, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. I would highly encourage you to watch it and others to watch it. I think this this came out in 2013, maybe 20, I think 2011 or 2013, I think 2013. But Her is the moment for this particular time. And it's all about relationships and metaverse and AI. And, and that is um, symbolically encapsulated here by Jupiter sorry, by Venus and Mars meeting at the Aquarius point, the zero Aquarius point or one first degree of Aquarius. And then Pluto comes next year. So it actually is, I think, important to talk about those things right now, the two planets of relationship there. And then Pluto comes to like, I think that's when we might see the themes of the movie movie Her are going to start really becoming prominent. But I downloaded that app and it was like, this is insane. I had to get rid of it because it was so real. I was talking to this AI and it was just too real. It was creepily real. Oh, um, I what was? Do you remember the name of the app? I think I might have uh, downloaded it too. Um, oh, let me see I saw here. Someone can... working. Oh God, what was it? And uh, I was talking to this one AI woman, and I didn't uh, like. I didn't like what she was bringing back to me. I was like, I was trying to, but I was trying to stump her. <laughs> I was trying to. Get uh-huh. um, yeah, here's the app, and it's that the article is men are bragging about um abusing their ai bot girlfriends and that was the headline it's called replica is the app and i downloaded it and the thing was just it was there was this it's the best i've ever seen i mean the ai had an avatar and it was responsive and you know i was like i was like wow i've got an ai a girlfriend and then i and (laughs) and and you know i was like wow it's true and and then i and then it was like the next you know and it just got too intense too quick and maybe it's my person you know addictive personality or something but <laughs> i just deleted that thing and i you know it's this is the kind of stuff that's emerging now during this period with saturn and aquarius and the mercury stationing retrograde in aquarius but going over that point you know and now venus and mars will be here in march so i, I would look for more stories around this and maybe the way to think about it is, is how are you preparing how am i preparing how how is everybody preparing for 
a, a real, ex, you know, the explosive expansion of metaverse AI. Uh, uh, what's the other term for it that that um, people would use before metaverse? It was like Second Life. That was a whole video oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember that. You have a kind of um, alternative digital worlds that um, you have, you actually spend time in. I mean, people are buying property in these digital worlds and making millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah I've seen a lot of uh, headlines with that because uh, who's getting in yeah. at the time of this this start? And it really speaks to all the uh, squares that are happening to Taurus and Scorpio now with yeah. the, yeah, you know, and we're trying to, and, and trying to figure out and, and the way that it's like dipping and upping the market at the same time. Like there's still so much volatility within that, you know, what's real, what's the real value of this. It's hard to put a value on something that is not, you know, tangible or digital space. There's a lot of security issues that are tied up in all this. When you talk about, um, you know, like a woman getting on a metaverse and, and the, she was only on there for a couple seconds and she was already, uh, involved in like, like a, like a gang rape situation with her avatar within seconds. Like, you know, this is like security, you know, situation though, that needs to like, when you have a wild, wild West of AI, it's like, this is where we're at. If you want to make this a reality of the world that people want to engage with, there's so much CD underbelly that can be played out in a digital space that doesn't include your face or your name or your location or who you really are. And, um, there's a lot of uh, components to this, and maybe that's where that Pluto comes in that's when it gets, you know, like because when a Pluto hits at zero degrees, like when Pluto hit zero degrees of Capricorn, like that was a volatile period um, with obviously the downfall of the markets at that time, and you know the recession that hit, and like many other things that were going on. But it's like you cross that threshold, you get that 29 to that zero of any sign, especially when we're talking about Saturn signs. It's like where's the order? Where's the boundaries? What's the system, um, you know, like, so these are all, I feel like we can do a program of just on this alone. Yeah, it's easy. so fascinating. Um, and terrifying. Uh, but, but that's just me. I like living in the real world and this reality that I think is reality, but who knows if that's even it. So, but yeah. well, there's always opportunities. There's always opportunities to use it for like bringing spirit, the spirit or love and hope. And so I think that's that right. there will be, yeah, there will be room to use the tool for, I think, a higher purpose. And, you know, it's just how we do that. And um, yeah, anyhow, it's it's happening. That's the thing. It's happening. I mean, just like the Internet, it happened, you know, mid 90s. If you think back, those of us who were alive then, it was like, oh, you've got mail. Cool. And then it happened. And now we're on it all the time. So uh, I tend to go that way with technology because. It's, I mean, Aquarius, Pluto's going to be Aquarius until 2043 or something like that. I mean, it's happening. And, um, you know, we're going to have more air sign conjunction with Jupiter and Saturn. The next one will be in Libra in around 2040. So, you know, this Saturn theme of air and technology and rules and structures. And I mean, it's, it's here. And I mean, we'll have astrologers in the metaverse. We'll be, you know, having them think about like the metaverse constellations, you know, there's these kinds of things that. Oh my goodness. We might be able to have, you you, you can jump up and grab Fomaholt, you know, and eat it or something like this. So um, anyhow, yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. It's dangerous certainly, but I think Pluto, like you were saying earlier, it actually can be positive by the time Pluto's, we want Pluto here now, I think, because it's going to heal ultimately. And like, we're going to see ourselves for what we truly are. And I think it will actually help 
to go back to the word purge, it's going to purge the new technologies and it's going to like make it to where the real humanity will, will have to emerge. Yeah. My take. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I feel like we, you know, we can't have a naivety that we uh, are like these, not to say that the world has to be pure in any way. It's never going to be pure in that sense, but um it's, uh, this is the, this is actually the benefit of Saturn and structure and respect, uh, you know, like uh, in, in humanity, that's a part of like the Aquarius energy is like, you know, we're allowed to just run rampant uh, and have the, the ills and the diseases of society and, uh, you know, just not, ha- not be checked in any way. Uh, you can take something that's supposed to, that could be very wonderful uh, experience and it has to have, it has to go through that filtration process, um, to get to what it could be. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, there's a lot to sort out through that. And we usually have to run into pitfalls or problems or situations that show us what needs to be fixed because that's just the, the nature of it. But, um, that being said, (laughs) well, let us move on with our, we were talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about. I think Mercury at the bendings got us here (laughs) with Aquarius. No, Um, I think we were on the Mars Venus, you know, how that moved. Oh yes. And then that's, and then, and so that's, that's where I was, that kind of kicks off. It does kick off a whole conversation. I think what we described, we could have many, many talks on it, but it's useful. I think to just mention this here, this conversation we've just had, I feel like it's really important as we get into early March, I think these themes are going to be right on our necessary to have contemplated a little bit for whatever emerges here. So, yeah. And so don't be surprised if you're seeing these headlines, if you see yeah. some of the things that we're talking about here and you're like, Oh, AI apps. Uh, oh, uh, metaverse regulations. Oh, <laughs> you know, like things like that. It could absolutely come up at the start of that. Um, and, and of course, you know, we also got a first quarter moon in Gemini happening on uh, March 10th, Thursday. Uh, that hot, dry action phase starts to begin. And you can bet there's going to be probably a juicy news cycle that's happening with a, uh, a full or sorry, excuse me, a first quarter moon squaring or trining, excuse me, trining um, Saturn. Uh, so we get a lot of, we've got a lot of Saturn stories. We get a lot of like whatever Mercury and Saturn, maybe we're cooking up before the, uh, the conjunction of the new moon. And then that comes into play. Mercury's now into Pisces territory. So we get more on the Pisces side. It's now just, uh, Venus and Mars and Saturn hanging out in Aquarius. So that's, that's a nice shift, um, going on. So we, yeah, we have a first quarter that is basically ruled by a, a freshly ingressed Mercury and Pisces. Um, so, uh, it, it, yeah. So I'm like, any thoughts on that? I, there's so many thoughts. It could, just, <laughs> or just Mercury and Pisces. Um, we talked a lot about Mercury Pisces earlier, so I guess we're kind of, we're kind of there. Um, so yeah. we'll go, rewind, go back to, go back to that. Think about that, like imaginal space that opening up that Jupiterian territory, that hope, um, that creativity, imagination, et cetera. Um, and speaking of imagination, what basically goes on to happen is we have the sun now perfect its conjunction with Neptune. Cause remember we talked about earlier how the sun moves from the conjunction with Jupiter to the conjunction with Neptune, but happens to then make a sextile to the nodes right after, or to the North node. So once again, we kind of get to these faded synchronistic qualities, you know, of 
Neptune bringing things out of the blue in a sense. Um, like not like in the way that Uranus does, but it's like, you know, things just start to materialize. Uh, I think of Neptune when you were talking about your hopeful quality around Neptune and like they, it gets a bad rap. I like Neptune a lot of times I see in place of miracles where like a yeah. miracle happens. It's like all of a sudden you're like, you get the, the help that you needed or you get the, uh, the insight or the, you know, the creative idea. Um, it, yeah, it just has that kind of, uh, it, it has a, it has a different kind of, uh, unexpected co- component than Uranus does. It's a little softer. It can be very spectacle related to, you know, when you yeah. think about like sporting events and like things that catch your eye and have glamor and, um, there's a lot of that to it too. So any thoughts on this sun Neptune and even the nodes just being lightly involved? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think about um, uh, the moon also, sorry, and cancer. And just, I actually really like this cancer moon as maybe if someone's going to do some. Oh, true. It's work. trining in. Yeah. Yeah. It's trining in and it's home in cancer. So to me, this chart, if where I would, where I would go is, you know, finding the nurturance side of whatever is happening with the spectacle or with the Neptunian. Um, I think one thing I like to, when I, when I think about Neptune, like the matrix, so you've just seen the matrix, um, the idea that you, the reality can be kind of malleable. It's, it's the, you know, we kind of mm. realize we're in a Maya, you know, and as the Vedics would say, uh, uh, it's illusion, you know? And so maybe that what we see is not even here or that it's a little bit more malleable than, than um than otherwise what than we otherwise thought and so with the moon and cancer i just i don't know i think where is home you know and i i just go back to the spiritual stuff that we talked about earlier with like finding home in the heart or home in the spirit there's some kind of um place of home that is reliable even in a reality that might not be real you know or that or that um that might not feel there's, there can be these epiphanies, right? Sometimes you're like, wow, there's all these rules and I'm born and I have to eat and these kind of real mundane things. But um, when we see beyond that, sometimes it can be destabilizing, you know, just like a bad trip. I need to go back to that analogy. If you're blowing yourself out with a really large dose of mushrooms, for example, there's something terrifying and you do then have to find like that, that some kind of core uh, until the mushrooms pass, you know? And so that's, I don't know. These are just some thoughts here. I know I'm kind of repeating myself. No, I'm like, I've, I'm just, I'm going back in time. Cause I've been there. I've been, on, yeah. I've been on that trip before. And it, it takes, you do have to find like, there's like a strength and a resilience that you have to find within to like, uh, you know, get you through this, this psychedelic moment of where you're convinced that, you know, you might never leave it or this could be it. Like you have to find that um yeah there's a yeah resilience i guess is the way that to get through that that trying moment um and childbirth just to throw that because that's kind of mm, i've never have you have you have you gone through a childbirth in your life no i have not but they'll they say it's like a psychedelic and it's where it's almost otherworldly because and you know and but it's like this part of the cancer energy it can be um, what you just said about finding something to like ground, you know, it's like the, the, the idea of a new life that's kind of as powerful as it can be, you know, and I, I think cancer is one of my, it's a sign that is so rich uh, on so many levels, but one of it is the pain thresholds and like the, 
the ability to like um, go through a tremendous amount of suffering for the purpose of love, you know, and mm. um, you, you're speaking to this cancer right now. Okay. You're speaking <laughs> deeply to this cancer. <laughs> yes. I, I second that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so that's what I see. I just, I feel like it's a part, anytime I see a chart, it's kind of what I go right to the moon. And this one is actually, it is, it's, is it's cancer. The moon was cancer. So when you have that moon there and there's nothing, it's trines from Saturn and Mars, you know, that these aren't, these are not too harmful. Um, when you think about these sign based trines, um, it, this moon has got, there's a lot to like about it. So, you know, yeah. that's, I, I think we can lean into it. That That's just what I think about this. It, it feels like a sweet weekend, like the weekend of like March 11th, the 12th, uh, you know, that Friday, that Saturday. Um, yeah. Now, of course, the moon does freshly oppose that Venus-Mars <laughs> <laughs> action in Leo uh, not too long after it. But so that'll be interesting with the with the moon activating the uh, the Aquarius component after this has moved on. So Monday, uh, the 14th and Tuesday, but, you know, moving from Venus-Mars opposition to Saturn opposition. Um and because really, this is on the lead up to uh, the full moon uh, yeah. that is on Friday, March 18th at 27 degrees of Virgo. So we do get that tension of the Leo Aquarius energy and, of course, squares to Uranus. Um, so, you know, Monday, Tuesday can be very activating, uh, in, in those zones. You're definitely gonna know all about, and Leo seems to be like that kind of release point or, or an interesting point within 2022, because there's not a whole lot of, whole lot of, um, we've just got so much dynamic in the fixed signs of Aquarius, Scorpio and Taurus. And so it's like, where does the Leo come in? And I think this is one of the first times where, especially with a really waxing, hot and dry moon where we're going to really feel what Leo brings to the table of the nodes and the Saturn Uranus, Venus, Mars, et cetera. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the, the fixed signs now are big uh, players in terms of where are we going to get the most sort of wreckage, but then opportunity in the charts mm. for the rest of this year. You know, you got Saturn still there. You've got the nodes there. You've got eclipses there. And uh, yeah, this, this, I, I think about the sun ingressing into Aries at, at this point, actually, because it's, it, this is ruled by a Pisces sun it's waxing, but, um, it, you know, it's almost this, this last moment where this moon is like, Oh, sun help, you know, and it's the sun is still <laughs> Neptune. I look, I can't help you right now. Is that, yeah, come, you're... <laughs> come back to me, you know, come back to me, see you next month. And I'll, and, and I'm going to have a lot more power. For you. That's right. That is right. That's right. Cause when we get back to, uh, there'll be a lovely trine between Aries and Leo at that point when we get into to Aries season. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're setting the stage and, you know, setting the stage to a full moon, there's usually rocky moments. Like that's just kind yeah. of part of like the full moon. It's like the waxing phase is where we get to, we get to learn. We learn about ourselves. We learn about others. We learn how the situation is developing. We gain our insight and our wisdom, but usually wisdom comes because you go through something. <laughs> so there, there is that. So we are basically on our way to our full moon in Virgo, uh, which will uh, oppose all the Pisces stuff, obviously, because it's at late degree. So it's going to have to oppose uh, Mercury. It's going to oppose Jupiter. 
It's going to oppose Neptune. Um, and what's interesting is that Mercury at the same time of the lead up is going to make a sextile to Uranus. So the ruler of the full moon in Virgo there uh, is has this Uranian component too that is linked into the sun and the moon having a sextile to Uranus at the start of the, you know, the new moon. So once again, we have kind of this Uranus component adding to both lunations. Um, and then the moon trining into that too. And I don't know, when I think of the, uh, when I think of Pisces and Virgo and a Virgo full moon, it adds even more to the development that you said with the ingress of Pisces of really letting go of like possessions or cleaning out or purging or, or releasing material property or changing jobs or changing houses or making the move, you know, like this is, it's like a transitionary mutable, uh, buildup that is of material nature. And so that's where my mind first goes basically for the weekend of like 17th, 18th, 19th. Well, I guess it's not really the weekend. Well, it's Friday. Anyways, what do you think SJ? I'm into, so I, I love the, um, what you said there. I think the Pisces Mercury close to Jupiter now, where the Pisces, this Mercury kind of gets assumed in some ways by Jupiter. It might be that we're talking less even. I think that um, this can be, think about when you're having, and I hate, I'll just, I'm going to do one more time because I do think it's a fitting analogy for Pisces. But if you are on a psychedelic, and I, and this is probably the way, just the time to just um, give the caveats. Don't do psychedelics. If you are, find someone who's an expert who can teach you how to hold space in a healthy way, even get with a professional. There's burgeoning professional psychedelic practitioners. That's how I recommend you engage with psychedelics. Okay. But um, sometimes you, there's the verbalism dissipates and um, it's time to just not maybe talk and just feel or, you know, see the colors or just even like uh, syllables. So uh, expressing syllables as, as even opposed to words. Um, you know, I think about chanting uh, like Om. So much of that is you're feeling things in the body, mm. the, 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 the vibration, the, cords, the vibration. So this feels less verbal to me. And then the other thing I just want to say, Mars plays a role. You know, Mars is ruling both the sun and the moon. If we go back to the Egyptian terms, which is one way that I examine uh, newer full moons is I always like to check out those that term ruler of the moon. And Mars and Aquarius is one that I'm a little, uh, I, you know, this is one of the transits, you know, you think about the exalted Mars and Capricorn and how constructive that can be. When Mars comes into Aquarius, I do feel like there can be kind of butting up against the limitation. This almost feels like, um, I don't know, the limits of, 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 of Saturn kind of come back into play here. And I'm I'm concerned that the Mars is not even, it doesn't aspect Pisces, it doesn't aspect Virgo. And it's it's engaged now with Saturn, the dance of Saturn. I'm wondering how much we're resistant with maybe things that have emerged even um, with the Aquarius uh, tone of our current age. You know, you think about being on Zoom a lot. This feels like being tired of Zoom or having to be on Zoom all day and like, this is so draining or, you know, computer problems or something. I mean, it's squaring the Mars, the nodes. So it's, it's not quite at the bendings very close, but Saturn is now inching towards Saturn is inching. bending. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I'm just a little bit worried for this one with Mars now 
and the Mars and, and, and like I said, Mars and Saturn meeting and what's, what's going to happen there. Saturn is so much stronger. I feel like we might, we might be lashing out even mentally, you know, I would watch for self-talk and with this transit. Mm. And I think with like a, 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 a Virgo moon, and this is ruled by Mercury, uh, Mercury having a, a playing a role in Aquarius, like we mentioned earlier, and this is an air sign, our thoughts and with Mars there. I think the self-talk is important. I think it's important to get out of the head. And this is where we might want to lean into the non-verbal side of Mercury and Pisces. Even like if people out there have a, a, a mantra of some kind or a prayer or just a phrase, sometimes you can just lock into a phrase if you've tried that. And then the words just, they kind of lose, they just, you get into this other space but it's a way to, to, to channel maybe mental uh, difficulty and, or angry thoughts and try to get them into something else where you can kind of recenter on your favorite phrase, whether, whatever that is, you know, examples could be like, you know, um, I will be done, or that's a, that's one you'll find, or just like uh, some of the Buddhist chanting and, or just phrases that we can carry with us. That's kind of how I would, I don't know. I, this one feels a little, like I said, of the two, I'm much more, um, you know, that new moon feels so powerful. This one feels a little, yeah, a little dicey along these lines, in my, in my opinion. So yeah, you have Jupiter there. You <laughs> yeah. got Jupiter there. You always you got Jupiter, Jupiter there. there. So, uh, save yeah. the day, but you know. Hope. Well, that's where, that's just the thing about life and especially being in a season of duality is that we can feel these things simultaneously. We can have the hope of Jupiter. We can okay. have the Piscean moment, but we can also have the tension of the Mars. Because basically, as you put out there, you know, Mars, um, the lunation being in the bounds of Mars, but also the fact that Mars and especially Venus uh, are on a point yeah. to square Uranus, you know? So there is a volatility component when it comes to relating, when it comes to wholeness, when it comes to equilibrium, justice, uh, ease within, you know, what you're doing, what you're creating, where you're going, where you're motivated with. It has, it has a lot of tension that is, uh, embarking upon, um, you know, what's leading up with the rest of the Aquarius transit and Venus basically being, you know, besieged by <laughs> the uh, yes. Mars and Saturn on either side. So there is that, that component where we can have that, that goodness of Pisces and the Jupiter and the Mercury and how we can uh, conjure that up. You know, we think about Mercury being the magician and being a conjurer, like we can conjure this up, but the reality of what surrounds us with the, with the, you know, the world, the community, the, the inner talk, the inner talk, the inner dialogue, uh, old, um, you know, traumas and things along those lines, because Aquarius can be that alienation, that exile, that, you know, things that are deeply bedded within, you know, those could be coming up, but there still mm. can be the, the transcendent, you know, perceptive moment, um, the body work that could be done with Virgo energy uh, that could come up at this time. Um, and maybe even look back to the new moon in Virgo. And that, that was a, that was a very uh, potent, like grand trine new moon that happened back in September. And like my whole life changed an instant at that new moon back in Virgo. So I, you know, maybe could look back to that time too. There could be a culminating story that is part of that energy as well. And in a different way, if you follow, like there's different ways to follow the lunar cycles, you know, we have the, the lunar families, et cetera. But I have found that there is some validity to looking at a, a the new moon of that, the preceding new moon of that sign to, and then the full moon that's six months later. So just yeah. see where that lands with you. Um, 
But I mean, that's essentially what leads This is what leads us out of Pisces season is that we have Venus squaring Uranus uh, on the 19th, the day after. So, you know, we have a little bit of a hairy Friday, Saturday, um, things are moving along. Uh, we've got that duality at place. We've got excitement within relationships and just our sense of balance and value. You know, there's a shifting quality going on there. Um, and as you stated, it's leading to that Mercury Jupiter conjunction, which is about to happen. That is, uh, very much embedded in, you know, Aries season, uh, with the Aries ingress, which has Mercury conjunct to Jupiter, mm-hmm. um, at that, at that point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, any, uh, any words on these final days of Pisces season or just, uh, something that you see there within that signature? I just think we're going to need Jupiter now, the side of Jupiter that is the rescuer, the kind of healer, the kind of, what's the word that Betty S. Fallon uses, Jupiter as the release from troubles, release Mm -hmm. and relief. I I think this does feel troublesome. and, And I do think that it's time to really lean into Jupiter, whereas the new moon felt like the celebratory dinner where you may be... It's just like, here's what I'm grateful for. Join me, my friends. Let's have dinner. Let's that seance idea. This one feels more, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a harshness. Uh, and you mentioned the coldness of Aquarius and, and Mars is a fire planet. And yet it's now, this This is sometimes when it's cold, it gets hot, right? It's so cold that it's like rage inducing. And even like, it can feel hot if you've ever been. Yeah, in I know. Cold. Like ice on your face. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think we're going to need the water here. And even, I would even bathe. I would, I would try to take healing baths. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the body component of Virgo. So the moon rules Virgo by, uh, triplicity, uh, by, um, night triplicity. So earth times by night triplicity, but so is Pisces ruled by the moon. It's that supporting triplicity ruler, but it's still any of the earth and water signs. I mean, our body is water, you know, and, Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like that there's a, you know, ways to like, just to go back to the, you know, own these kind of sin vibrations into the water of the body. And I, and I am, yeah, I would just encourage my, my final, my, my, my uh, final thoughts here are, are absolutely, we need the healing side of Pisces and a nonverbal. And then the besiegement you mentioned, the enclosure of Venus, it will start. If we use the Hellenistic definition, it's when, Venus um, starts applying within seven degrees to Saturn. That's going to kick off a, you know, about 10 days or so of real potential uh, challenge for relationships, for, you know, finding beauty. This could be kind of a, a, think about Saturn as a prison, you know, there's nothing there, dirty food, and it's just, there's no art on the wall. And, you know, I I think, um, so March 20th, uh, that Aries ingress does have the Venus. Uh, Venus is besieged. Or is the ingress chart, where is the moon? Do we have, I'm just curious about the moon because. 29 degrees of Libra. So the moon oh, is ruled by, by the, the Venus. Venus. Yeah. Now it's just outside of seven degrees, but I think that's close enough. Um, you know, it's within, yeah, this is, this is nasty. This is nasty. And I, I would just, yeah, I think we're, um, so my, my thing is leaning into Jupiter, like let the Mercury Jupiter conjunction do the heavy lifting in, in this chart. And we're going to need it. We're going to need it a lot for looks like all of 2022. My gosh, I didn't notice that in the ingress. I was focused more on, um, 
um, I don't remember what I would, what I had written. (laughs) There was a feature that I, that I was, was struck by, but still this is, this is, yeah, it feels quite, um, hostile might be a word that I, that I would use and, you know, hostile, hostile to things that are pleasant, you know? So, um, I, again, I just repeat, leaning into that Jupiter feels hopeful to me, feels like the hopeful side of all of, all of this. We're going to need it and we're going to need it bad. And even, and even the Neptune. So to go back to like, this is a triple conjunction in a way it's within five degrees, Venus, Neptune, and Jupiter, sorry, Neptune, Jupiter, and Mercury, pardon me. in, in these degrees of Pisces, I think we can go back to the matrix as an analogy where you can start seeing like the code that's might be the Neptune, Mm. but that's the truth. Right. And it's a way to communicate where it's not quite logical. And we're going to need this kind of matrix style perceptive abilities, I think, to, to process this maybe hostility that's found here in Aquarius. Yeah, this is, this is concerning to me, Melissa. I'm concerned. (laughs) He looks concerned. (laughs) Um, Well, and I think I I love the way you're taking this though, because, you know, Venus is besieged there, but she is in, you know, the, the bounds of Jupiter, Jupiter and Mercury are both in the bound, these very tiny bounds of Mercury with Jupiter on side. So leaning into Jupiter, as you're saying, keeping the mind on Jupiter, keeping Venus within the the realm of what Jupiter is trying to teach or is trying to lead or, or the path that's being created, even though the, the times are rough within it, uh, or, you know, there's the hard aspects that are part of it. Um, it, it does seem like it does come back to Jupiter in the sense of just getting our perception, uh, attached to that because perception is a big part of Aquarius and the and air. Um, and so even though it's not, I mean, it has Mercury as that, um, that triplicity energy that's there. Uh, but, you know, if we're dealing with any air sign, we're dealing with a 29 degree, uh, you know, Libra moon, like it, it, mm-hmm. even though they're not ruled by Mercury per se themselves, wh- how we are perceiving something, how we're communicating, what we're learning, what we're taking in, um, what we're deciding, you know, that still plays a big role into it uh, there. And so we have to lean into the Jupiter, but also not lean into it so much that we get detached enough from reality that we are not fully like engaging with the, the more unsavory or the more difficult aspects of what it is that we're engaging in. So it's trying to find a balance and that might be part of that Libra moon that is like, you know, uh, we're dissecting basically the Aries and Gress at this point, but yeah. um, you know, there, there, there is that. And, and if there's one thing we say about Pisces energy and granted we're in Aries now with the zero degrees sun there, but Pisces with the uh, Mercury Jupiter action. And then of course the Neptune that's coming is that this is a Jupiter world sign. It's not one that is known for balance. It's known for excess. It's known for a lack of boundaries. And so finding a level of boundary with Saturn that is so present and Mars pushing that agenda and the lack of it with Jupiter and them being an aversion to one another. I think that's just going to be the hardest aspect of finding the balance between that. And it's going to take a little bit of a creative dance and probably an experiential <laughs> situation, you know, and the instinct that we were talking about earlier with um, Aries coming in there, but uh, what a what an ending to Pisces season! It, it, it's uh, 
Yeah. And it's not all bad. It's not all bad. It's just, it's a moment in time. Uh, it does set up things for certain areas ingress. And we're talking, if we do mundane astrology and talking more political based things, that's a whole nother thing. But when we're talking about your own life, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little different there. Yeah. It is an election year. And, but without, without going too much into that, I just want to point out the one thing that might also help is mercury in its own Egyptian terms. And so these are the power degrees of, of Mercury and Pisces. I think this is the time where we can actually like put pen to paper, the poetic thoughts, the flourishes, mm. we can actually get them down and maybe get them in a more of a tangible form. And, um, and so I kind of like having Mercury there for the expressive powers of the truth and the epiphany and all of the kind of wisdom and hope and visioning that Jupiter's bringing. There is an ability to tangibly and kind of... Um, bring form to them in a constructive way. And, and, and so when I say lean into Jupiter, I think we lean into Mercury too. They're with Jupiter and in those, uh, great mentioning that because that's very important in my view that they're in the Egyptian terms, both of Mercury. How are we going to bring, you know, you come back from the trip and a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, I got the secrets to life. I've got to share these, you know, and then maybe yeah. this is the time where you actually do write down a few of those thoughts. So you do try to kind of, uh, bring it into a, a paragraph or something that expresses what you went through so that you can hold on to that and, and, and use that, you know? So um, yeah, this is interesting. This is, look, this is going to be, so if I just have doing this whole period, this whole um, season with, with you, I really do feel like it gets rougher at the end, <laughs> and then, you know, like this is really where it's going to be quite the end of Pisces season. It gets, it gets really sort of real in some ways that it hadn't before. And the, and the middle pocket, that new moon to me feels like the, the, the kind of the best opening right around that time. Um, yeah. But anyhow, this is an interesting, it's just cool to break something down like this with you because I, I don't really do, I haven't done astrology quite like this. I break things down differently every week on my channel, but not quite in this way where you can see a whole uh, solar month. And it really does. Um, it's cool to do it because you can see I, I'm seeing the flow of an energy. In it, a way you, br- it brings it alive. Like it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I and the, I always end the program of the the seasonal programs. And I'm just I have a whole new take on yeah. what it is that I'm engaging with um, and the creative process that comes from two people talking it out, too, and like having the insights. And so it's 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 fun and it's very informative to do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I hope the it's listeners super, like it out yeah. there, too. Even as an astrologer, you know, the people think we're so informed. Well, we are in our own ways, but this is very helpful for a working professional astrologer to do it like this as well, because I bring I'll bring this to my clients. So exactly. A whole better sense of what's context. Happening. Mm-hmm. It's, it's context for readings. So it's wonderful. Well, okay. So before we go, I always have, I always put, uh, you know, our guests on the spot with the one, the one word, the, if you had one word, only one to describe Pisces season, what would it be? <laughs> huh? I think I'm going to say, um, I'm going to go with release. Mm. release i'm going to use that i think it's a and I'm, I'm leaning here on how much of a main player jupiter is for all of pisces season being in pisces but then a new moon right with jupiter in the terms of jupiter with jupiter so i'm going to say release and just release uh, I, I would just as a verb as a noun um all of it 
Yeah, I think that's a it's an apropos word for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna be we're definitely gonna be doing that. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard one, especially it's almost like there's no words, right? You know, we talk about Pisces and like the mute quality, and it's like maybe there maybe there isn't a word. There's not even one. It's <laughs> it's a feeling. Ineffable, um, ineffable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I get, I, I feel like I would just say, feel, uh, you know, just feel, I mean, when you're going through things, whether they're trying or wonderful, it's like, just feel it all, feel it all, see where it takes you. Um, because I think part of that, I feel like, I feel like the, actually the release component comes from the feel component. Cause you feel it and then you can let it go. Like that's, that's the ideal, like in healing, right. That's the ideal in, in transcending something and moving on and growing. Cause I think my second word might be like just growth with Jupiter there, but, um, yeah, like feel it, feel release, like feel release, release, feel <laughs> But growth. I like growth though. Cause if you, so I'll go with release ineffable. And you have feel growth. It's right. kind of, we can maybe four blend those, all the combinations yeah. of those. Sometimes growth, you can't explain what's happening while we're going through it. And I think mutable seasons can sometimes be like, it's not really the time for, it's just, it's like too much, too much transition. It's, I, I can't talk about it. I don't even know what's happening and giving ourselves permission to have no idea what's going on. I like that sometimes. I don't know what's going on. So I'm telling you, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just trying to you know survive one moment at a time. And um, it's okay to be in, in that state, just like I'm clueless. I'm out to sea. I'm just here. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> I'm happy, but I'm just, I don't have a real good understanding of everything that's happening right now. Yeah. So. so you just go with the flow, let go and let God, you know, like let's, let let's bring all God. our, uh, <laughs> bring all the different, uh, poetic, uh, you know, uh, I can't think my, my brain, my brain has stopped. We've Cliches, talked a lot. Is that, or sayings or uh, uh, euphemisms or uh, uh, idioms? No, no. Are they not idioms? No, what's an idiom? That's a uh, idiom is a, is a yeah is a is things that don't really mean what oh but it means are. something else yeah. like yeah like to skin a cat or something uh, like that yeah <laughs> or, or saying I, don't know what I think <laughs> there's a word called for sayings that's like these short phrases of, that are truth uh, oh that, that my provide god truth. it's on and the tip we, of my tongue ever someone yeah someone is listening to this and yelling at us right now going it's this. <laughs> um yeah so oh my god i can't it's i hear it but i it's not a euphemism it's a <laughs> uh, it's but it starts right. with an e i think and um yeah okay we'll, we'll have to come someone will have to <laughs> save funny, us and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah oh that's funny um all right well sj pleasure where where can people find you what what do you got going on yeah, pleasure. Great pleasure to 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 be here. Thank you so much. It's been really fun, and it makes me so excited for the month ahead, or for the month of Pisces season. Um, what do I got going on? I've got busy as all get out. I've got <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on. Um, you know, I'm engaged. I'm an active working astrologer, so it's just nonstop uh, social media. I do prioritize engagement there, so people can follow me on Twitter if they want to follow what I do and kind of get into my world. It's a lot of tweets about what's unfolding and of all kinds. Um, is it just I your like, name? Is your handle your name? SJ Anderson, one, four, four. So oh. it's SJ Anderson, but then that one, four, four, 12 rising signs, um, 12 house 
placements for the ruler of the rising sign multiplied together is that 144 combinations. Yeah. Uh, and that's there's all kinds of other reasons why I picked that number, but my name was taken. So you have to pick a number then <laughs> do, do the underscore yeah. game. I don't want to do the underscore thing. No. I just want names and a number. Um, but uh, yeah, so Twitter is a great place to find me. I watch my YouTube. So I break things down in my particular style with my astrology, which we're all different, right? We all focus on a little different things, uh, but people can find me that way, come into my world that way, my astrological world. Readings are open. They're booked out uh, for a little while, but um, you know they can find me, schedule a reading. I think April, there's some in April now, uh, but um, I may open up some more slots. So or email me if there's an emergency. I can sometimes fit people in. Um, but that's kind of what I do. Readings, social media. And um, that's. And I will be actually, I'm just sitting down with the publisher uh, to start developing a book. So that might be 2023 to 2024 when that finally comes out. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait to write it. And, um, you know, so that's kind of what's on my plate. And I'm, yeah, so it's great to meet you. I love astrology. I love the astrology community. I love astrologers. And it's just, we're kind of one big happy fan, one big family, not always happy with each other, but um, nice such to is be the, here. Uh, such is the, uh, the uh, arena of opinions. Um, that that's what happens. Um, yes. but yeah, so, all right, well, uh, you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com and I always do a blog post for each guest and uh, program. So I'll de- be sure to share SJ's information there so that you can follow up with his active Twitter feed and beyond. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at energetic principles. I think, uh, SJ, you're on Instagram too, but I think you're more of a Twitter, Twitter person. Yes. uh, I just put photography on Instagram. It's kind of my private space on for social media. My stories will include cross posts from other people that reference my astrology on Instagram. Those will appear in my stories. Just want to say uh, same handle on Instagram, sjanderson144, my website, sjanderson144.com. So you can just go there. It's all the same. It's just put that that, .com on the end. Just keep it in your mind. <laughs> that's how I do it. I'm like, I've any platform I've been on, I've like taken energetic principles right away. I'm like a new platform, just take the name. Um, consistency is key. Uh, but yeah, so uh just a mention that you know, come sign up for my monthly newsletter, the heavenly wind, uh, that comes out each month to just have a a whole breakdown of everything that we talk about here. It'll just give you a quick like guide. And that is free when you sign up for my mailing list. Um, and yeah, if you enjoyed this program, share it with a friend, spread the good word, uh, you know, put it wherever you think that it'll be valuable for another to hear, leave a review wherever you listen to the program, uh, to help it raise in, in the ratings of iTunes and Spotify and such. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Pisces seasons. I see the ups. I see the downs. I also know the reality of mutability and that seems to fit just uh, perfectly. <laughs> so thank you again for joining me, SJ. I really appreciated your time. And thank you very much, Melissa. It's been a great honor to be with you and you're awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in to hear us talk about a really, actually, this is a quite long episode. We had a lot to talk about. Um, so we hope you uh, enjoy Pisces season. You live your best life within it. Uh, and we'll see you on the other side. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.